0: and happy halloween welcome to the two true freaks 2011 halloween special in which we are finally getting off our lazy asses and talking about a movie that we have talked about talking about for ages and ages and ages we're finally going to do it folks we present the monster squad and for this episode we're bringing in a couple of our friends First of all, I am Scott Gardner, joined as always by my best friend, Chris Honeywell. Say hello, Freak. Hello. (laughs) And joining us is our pal, Michael Bailey.
1: Or not. Unmute. (laughs) There he goes. Unmute. Damn
2: it.
0: Hello. And rounding us out is Josh Baker, all the way from where'd you say Wisconsin, right?
3: Wisconsin.
0: Where we is that? A... That's somewhere in the United States, right? Out, out west somewhere.
3: It it's one of those lake. states
0: you don't hear of very often. Oh yeah, that's right.
4: It has a lake. That's right. It's the yep. land. It's the land of cheese, which oh, you know, which yeah. goes perfect with this movie.
3: <laughs> yes, that's true. Very nice. <laughs> How you so doing, hello, Josh? everybody? I'm doing just fine and adjusting to time zone differences. <laughs> well, we, we, we won't
0: bring that up. We we, we, we won't publicly embarrass you <laughs> too much. <Yes.
4: laughs> publicly embarrass him? He's the guy who's wasted the least amount of time tonight, if you really think about it. He's used his time the most
0: efficiently tonight, so.
3: skidoosh
0: so as i say happy halloween everybody i think you're going to enjoy this one because we've been chomping at the bit to get to this one for a while well that i've got a shit ton of notes i suspect michael bailey has a shit ton of notes chris just has a shit ton of weed and uh i'm not sure about josh we're gonna find I thought out weed was notes <laughs>
4: i thought i had the most notes of all <laughs> i'm a
0: walking encyclopedia
2: Of weed. (laughs) Of
0: weed. (laughs) So, first of all, kicking this off, what I thought we'd do, we're going to go round-robin style, and we're just going to run down our basic origin stories. How did we discover, learn about, whatever? How did we get uh, sucked into the world of the Monster Squad? And uh, I want to start off with uh, Michael Bailey. We'll let him run with this one. How did you uh, get into the Monster Squad, Mike?
2: Uh, Home box office, actually, because as a young lad of 11 12 13 years old um i didn't have a whole lot of friends and you can probably pipe in either some pathetic music or a baby crying or whatever you do when you edit these portions of it i can hear i I hear the 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 hamster in your head turning right now um i do have a recording of the world's smallest violin somewhere (laughs) (laughs) but uh you know, just the, the neighborhood I lived in, there really weren't any kids my age, so I, I spent my summer days watching Home Box Office, and as Chris and Scott can attest to, and I don't know about Josh, but maybe he can too, uh, HBO would run the fuck out of a movie. Um, pretty much yeah, every day. Uh, and this was one of them, and I remember it wasn't actually the summer when I first saw it, it was the fall. So it's like it was fall i was like 12 years old this movie hit me at just the right time because it had kids that liked stephen king books and comic books because fat kids reading wonder woman number three right there at the beginning of the uh, of the movie and it had the universal monsters who i've never actually seen well i've seen dracula it was boring movie i'm sorry <laughs> the original bella lugosi dracula put me and my wife to sleep but the iconography of them has always to me been like superheroes you know you know dracula with his cape frankenstein looking like he's about to beat your ass the mummy and everything so you had 12 11 year old kids going up against monsters and talking like 11 and 12 year old kids talk in a way that you can never present in a film these days. So I just fell in love with this movie as a kid, and I've never really lost that. And that's my story. And I'm sticking to it.
0: And a sad story it was, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dying over here.
1: No.
0: (laughs) We'll go on to uh, Josh. What's your your Monster Squad origin story?
3: It's basically the same as uh, Mike's, except I had a bunch of friends. Um, and... (laughs) Wow! (laughs) (laughs) All
4: right, I'm already mentally picking out music
1: for you, too.
3: (laughs) wouldn't be Dennis Leary's I'm an asshole. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, HBO played the hell out of it, and every time it was on, I seemed to catch it at some point. Um, I hadn't really had any exposure to the Universal Monsters at that point or not, um, I don't believe, but I found every character or every villain in the the movie likable. Not likable, but I, but I liked them, I dug them. Um, and like Mike said, it was a bunch of kids a little older than me, so, you know, they were older than me, they were cooler, and, you know, in a young kid's mind, so them fighting the wolfman and the mummy and stuff like that and being able to beat these guys was was uh, like a fist pumping in the air deed for a kid my age and I think I was I can't remember the age I was but it was probably one of those movies that I was a little bit too young to watch even though it's not incredibly bad but it still had some scary parts in it like Raiders and some swearing and some swearing, and uh, but my mom never really uh, cared too much. My dad couldn't. My dad could give a shit if I was watching a movie that I wasn't supposed to. But every time um, Phoebe would be you know, like, "Come on, guys, don't be chicken shit," my, and my mom was around, she'd kind of uh, <laughs> roll her eyes and say, "All right." But that for me too. Cool.
0: Chris. Does that mean I'm next? Yeah, why not? Well, a yeah, lot
2: this, of people. This is the one I'm interested in, is you guys, because you, you know you're older. It, no, well, well, here's the thing. So we're like creepy child molesters watching this movie. <laughs> well, you're you're like a creepy child molester, anyways, Chris. So Thank that's... you. <laughs> I I'm not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm I'm the nice type. I'm the well-groomed. type. Yes, I'm the, I'm the one you trust. Um, yes. That's
4: that's my motto. That's what I have on my cards. That I <laughs> that I stapled a little packages of candy. The one you can trust.
1: man is here. Now, what kind of candy you want?
4: Sweet chocolate, chocolate malt candy, gumdrops, anything you want. You've come to the right man because I'm the candy. You'll uh,
3: ask you'll ask permission before he snaps your bike seat.
0: Right, number one. <laughs> See, I hope you do remember your origin story for this one because I have a feeling Michael might be very uh, disappointed by mine if if you don't. It's just the fact that
2: you guys have heard of this film is what surprises me because it seems like people that are... uh... Josh, how old are you? Unmute. Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 29. Okay, I'm 35. And it seems that people like a year or two older than me. If you get past that, they don't know what the fuck know I'm talking about, about it, when I come, right. comes to the Monster Squad. So it just shocked me that one, you guys had heard of the film, and two that you liked it. So this, this, I'm, 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 I'm on the edge of my seat for this one. Oh,
4: okay, that's no pressure at all. All right, my origin story. Well, it's like one of those drug commercials, actually. Not to keep bringing the topic back to drugs with me, except it was one of those things where you're asking me where I learned about the Monster Squad.
0: Well, I learned so it from So, like, Scott, this, is your okay? brain, this is your brain on the Monster Squad? Yeah, is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, I learned okay, it. And yeah, gotcha. I'm
4: saying right to you, Scott Gardner. I learned it from you, okay? Because <laughs> it was back when... It was back when you worked at oh what the hell was the name of that video company at the at the mall of Doom, Saturday uh, matinee Saturday matinee and you and and Scott just had a massive video collection that he'd been amassing over the years and um I believe it was the day we had a rummage sale and we watched a bunch of the back to the Fu- we watched the back to the future movies and then you're like, let's watch Monster Squad and I was and I dimly remember that coming out in the movies and going, Nah, I'm not interested and mm-hmm. uh and I was like, Oh, okay. And I remember being very Yeah, we'll see what we'll see. And you know, from the first second I just enjoyed the hell out of it. And um and I and I haven't watched it since then, so that was like that was it that was over twenty years ago. So when I popped it in, I, I I downloaded it, and I popped it in last night to see if it, and I'm like, you know, I got to go to bed, but I'll watch the first 10 minutes of this just to get a head start on it, because I planned on watching it, like, today, just before we did the podcast. Right. And uh, so I watched the first 10 minutes, and before you knew it, I was 20 minutes in, and before you knew it, I was just like, well, fuck it, I'm committed to watching this, because I'm having a riot watching it, and all of a sudden, I was awake again, and enjoying the hell out of it, so... It's it's just an enjoyable little movie. It was only I, you know. So basically, I'm passing the buck because, however you discovered it, I'm imagining, you picked it up just probably because, it, you know, it had the Universal monsters in it, and you were like, yeah, I'll check this out. You know.
0: See, that's the thing. I. I feel almost hypocritical in this segment because I do not remember how I discovered this movie. I'm assuming I could see your girlfriend at the time going, let's go see the monster squad. I I did not see it in the theater or anything or at a drive-in or anything like that. I'm, I'm almost positive. See when I was in the service, it would have been great at a um, drive-in. Oh my God.
4: This would be a great movie for a drive-in.
0: I remember, you know, a lot of the guys I hung out with were not necessarily geeky as far as like comics or anything like that, but everybody was really into geeky movies, especially like sci-fi movies and all. So, you know, a lot of times on our off time or on the weekends or whatever, we would all get together and, you know, one or two of our buddies had a VCR and, you know, movies they had taped off of HBO or movies that they had bought or whatever. And uh, and we would all just kind of one up each other on, you know, well have you seen the Highlander? Oh, no, I never saw that. So we'd watch the Highlander together and they'd be oh that was awesome. Well, did you ever see this movie? No, I never saw that. So we'd watch that movie. And and so it became this game of like one upmanship on like these really obscure uh, obscure, yet like really cool movies. And I think that's how I discovered this movie. I just I can't remember who would have brought it to the table, but I had never seen it. But it's funny Mike says that he thinks this movie would be out of our wheelhouse because it was like no this was like perfectly right in that era because the movie came out in like 87 and then I was in the in the service from what 80 80s yeah late 86 right through to uh, early 90s so you know that was the era where we were watching stuff like that on you know HBO or, or VHS or whatever. And so I remember watching that a lot of times on VHS until I finally scored me a copy. And that was the cool thing about this movie on VHS was that eventually it was one of those super rare VHS ones. Cause it was a, I think it was through Vestron video and when it, right. when it got business, anything that was on Vestron became worth just a shit ton of money. So if you could actually score yourself a copy of the monster squad and then years later, like put it on eBay or something, man, you, you'd you make a fortune every time because it was just a, it was really, really hard to find until it finally got released on DVD a few years ago. But, yeah, it just it quickly became one of those those cult classic 80s movies. And I think that's how it got its cult status was just kind of being passed around, you know, in geek circles, you know, word of mouth kind of thing, because I don't think it did very well in its Initial release. I could be wrong about that, but I I don't think it did. I think it it really found its cult status, you know, through things like you know being on VHS and being on HBO and stuff. But to my recollection, that's that's the best I could tell you. Is I'm pretty sure I discovered it when uh you know just in the dorms when I was well, when I
2: was in the Air Force. Well, very rarely was there a film that wasn't of a Star Wars caliber that or or you know the rare exception i think would be the goonies but the goonies had a lot of pedigree behind it with richard donner and all that but but it's one of those films that the target audience wouldn't have gone to the movies to see it you know wouldn't have forced their parents to take them you know it's like you know return of the jedi comes out yeah every 12 year old in america uh is going dad mom take me to the freaking movie but you know the monster squad it's an unknown property so it takes something like HBO, where they show it again and again and again, where you watch it and fall in love with it to make that. that and it was really the age thing, not not the, the subject matter that that caught me off guard. Right. Uh, because, you know, one of the women I worked with a couple years ago is my eldest sister's age. And I said, Monster Squatch goes, never heard of it. I named, like, three movies that came out a couple years before it. She's like, yeah, I remember those. Monster Squad. Nope. Nothing. Nothing at all, actually. So, Well, there was it's... a
4: glut of it during this time. There was, you know... you know, Well, I mean, you had your Goonies, you had your A-list, Steven Spielberg, and then you had your... Well, Spielberg, let's say, Double-A with Spielberg and Lucas and... and stuff like that and back to the future and then you had your A list stuff which was like Goonies and Gremlins and then you had your B list stuff which was you know the knockoffs of all of the, those you know like critters and stuff like that and there was a glut of those kinds of movies and this is sort of a this is sort of a pastiche of all that those kinds of movies and it, it was at the beginning of where, you know, movies would get self-referential by doing a whole bunch of genres and stuff. It just wasn't as ironic <clears throat> as it is now, you know. It was a little more... But, you know, I think when this movie came out, it didn't have any big, big, huge names associated. It was a very B movie. And, and the director, uh, the Fred Decker, the director, I mean, um, Night of the Creeps, was, you know, just a, a through and through be awesome B movie. You know, it was a total total right. B B movie sort of aliens and zombies and all that. And this this is definitely going for that same sort of thing. Just sort of like Gremlins did, you know, a sort of uh, a, a an homage at the same time but in modern with modern sensibility with 80s sensibilities and uh yeah, I, I could easily see how it could slip between the, the, the cracks of, you know, big blockbuster movies and stuff, and, and it's a weird movie, because I thought, what a great horror movie for kids, because it's not really that scary at all, unless you're a kid, but as an adult, it's not like a, uh, you know, it's not gonna have you on the edge of your seat, it's, it's, it's fun more than anything, but, uh, at, at other points, it is. It's 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 uh, like Josh was saying. It's it's kind of a t- intense for kids, you know. Or, or was that somebody's? One of you guys said something like that. But it,
3: that was
4: me. Yeah, it's 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 <laughs> it, it's it's got a, it's got you know it's got some death and destruction and not really the gore isn't too bad. The gore is very cartoony, you know, like when the Wolfman gets blown up, but. You know, so, you know, it was sort of like, who's the audience for? Is it for older people who who like universal monsters? Or is it for little kids to introduce them to it? Because it might not be tame enough for, you know, little kids, you know, maybe like nine or under or something like that. But at the same time, a lot of the crew are little, little kids, you know. There's characters in the whole movie for everybody of any age to identify with. You know, there's teenagers... There's, there's little kids and then there's little little kids and then there's you know a smattering of adults and so you got a little bit of everybody to, to, to glom onto because well you got a little bit of everything. But you know I mean who, the, all, all the actors were were you know character actors. I mean I mean the only guy I recognize the only person I recognized right off the bat from this movie and was like, oh yeah, there's a kid from the Wonder Years, you know.
2: And he wasn't even a main character. <laughs> he was just that
0: kind of be, the... I must be the only one that never saw that show because that's not what I remember that kid from. I know who you're talking about. Well, before we get into that, though, you know, you mentioned the, the pedigree on this. And right. I know that's funny because Michael and I pretty much had the same note about, you know, the pedigree of the movie. So I kind of wanted to talk about that. You know, we'd talk about, you know, the, the, the cast and crew. Um, you know, going through that. I know, Michael, you've got some notes on this. So why don't you uh, run with that segment?
2: Well, it was it was uh, directed by Fred Decker, who up until this point, uh, that this movie came out, his his only film was Night of the Creeps, which is a hysterical horror movie, has one of the best lines ever from a from one of those types of movies. Girls, your dates are here and they're dead yeah the good news is that your dates are here the bad news is they're dead (laughs)
1: Um,
2: and after this he did robocop 3 which has some really good moments mostly some of the more comedic elements like the guy trying to hold up the donut shop that's full of cops and the guy behind the counter going what's it like being a rocket scientist but um you know so so he's got right away you've got a director that has kind of an odd sensibility when it comes to these films uh the co-writer was shane black who is probably best known writing wise for uh doing lethal weapon and creating those characters he also wrote the long kiss Goodnight*, night which starred uh gina davis and had some of the <laughs> I think he was writing the Samuel L. Jackson role right for Samuel L. Jackson because it just worked out beautifully like that. Uh, he also he also wrote Last Action Hero, so you can't win them all. And yeah, I, uh, I like that movie; not a bad movie. Yeah.
0: Plus, uh, Tom, what's his name, Noonan? That's uh, plays Frankenstein's monster yep. in this. Was in that movie,
2: and uh, he also he's going to be writing and uh, directing uh, Iron Man three. So you know he's he, he's got a lot of uh, of good cred writing wise. He was also Hawkins and Predator. Uh, which character was that? Uh, I think he was the dude with the glasses. Okay, he read he was reading comics all the time, yep. right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, which bad is, jokes. Yeah, which is where I think some of the elements we'll be discussing of this film come in because yeah, there's there's a lot of cool geek stuff in this. You know, the, the actors playing the kids were all you know basically you know we did a we did a guest spot on Mr. Belvedere type thing but yeah. Duncan uh Duncan Rigar however you pronounce his name uh who plays Count Dracula is kind of one of those actors that I wish had a better and more high profile career uh than he did because he was in a he was in a show what was that show called uh Wizards and Warriors Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he played Prince that. Dirk Blackpool uh, he was also Charles on the V series uh, and later he would appear in a uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episode as Ronan right. uh, oh, so forgot it sounds
4: to... like it's a whole den
2: of nerds that like doing <laughs> nerd movies and stuff and TV shows uh, Fred Decker, this was one of my notes that I skipped over for some reason, he was also a producer on Enterprise uh, yeah. during I think the first season uh but uh Dracula also played Zorro on this family channel series that went on for a good long time. Uh, it was like a little half hour action series that I loved because it was a dude in a black cape fighting crime. I mean, how can you not like that shit? Uh Tom Noonan, who Scott mentioned before was Frankenstein. This dude is like once you read like three of the roles that he's done you're like how the fuck did that happen because he was Kane in RoboCop 2 he was in, he was Francis Dollarhide in Manhunter which was the um Hannibal Lecter the, movie The yeah the first Hannibal Lecter film with Brian Cox and his last name is Peterson. I forget his first name. Uh, but this is a guy that that just is like one of those actors that obviously does not take the easy roles ever. Uh, and I actually rather liked Kane in RoboCop, too. I thought he made a really good villain. So uh, the the father, what was his name? I haven't. Oh, Steven Mocked. He's one of those guys that when you see him, you know exactly who he is yeah I, I
4: was just like this guy's been on every cop show probably in the, yeah. in the world,
2: so you know he he's just one of those guys. he's he's a that guy he's well like see the... according
0: to Wikipedia he was it says here he was seriously considered for the roles of Captain Picard and Commander Riker, really <laughs> I can uh, maybe see Riker but Picard seriously. I don't know. Some of this stuff that, uh, you know, I got a lot of my information on the actors because I did a lot of research on this today from Wikipedia. But some of it's uh, suspect, I believe, because it says uh, for the listing for the mother from this movie, um, well, I remember her best as uh, her character's name was Gail Wallen's uh, in uh, Die Hard, she was one of the reporters. She was the female yep. reporter because they kept keep cutting to these scenes of the reporters. There's a scene where they are talking to like this expert on hostage situations and shit, and she's in that. That's what I always remember her from. As they're uh, it,
2: dragging Supergirl's boyfriend off.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. But if you look at her listing on uh, Wikipedia. It lists, it says, The Monster Squad, Die Hard, and Ricochet as Gail Wallens. Well, I don't, unless she plays the same character in Die Hard and Ricochet, then there's an error on that, because Gail she Wallens was, was the character
2: she played in Die Hard. She was also this, the police psychologist in Lethal Weapon. Uh, that yeah, was.
0: I, I don't think I've ever seen all those. I think I've seen maybe the... <sighs> First two, and I really, it's been yeah. so long, I really don't remember the, the well.
2: first one. Holds up really well, by the way. I think you'll, if you like action films of that era, it's one oh, of yeah. the best. Well, I so, mean, I love you know, it,
0: Rich Donner, so yeah. Yeah. It,
2: yeah. And the guy who edited Superman was the editor on that film, too, which I thought was quite cool. Oh, wow. Um, but no, I mean, it's just so with all the adults, and, and there, there's a detective um, that plays the father's partner who is another one of those guys you look at and go, Oh yeah, I've seen him in a billion other things. But the, uh, the guy that kind of stands out for me is uh, and we were discussing this before we were recording. Uh, he's listed as desperate man in the credits, but he was the guy that turned into the werewolf. And I was looking at him and I was looking at him. I'm like, dude, that's Laszlo Holyfeld from real genius. Uh, which is a, a f- funny ass movie, uh, but he was one of which is really funny because William Atherton. We can connect the Wolfman and the Mother in this film through William Atherton in Die Hard. Um, but um, that's funny. But uh, no, it's just like wow. He he was actually with what he was given in this film. He was actually really good, and just like the only kid that i ever that i ever saw anything else uh out of outside of jason hervey who played ej and was the the wonder years kid that uh wh- you you were starting to say you had seen him in something else what was that scott which the kid yeah ej
0: the one that... Oh, shit. Let me look at his... Uh, I'm going to have to cheat and look at it. He's Rudy, right? No, he's not Rudy. He's uh EJ. He's yeah. further down the list. Jason Hervey, is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Um I'm trying to remember because I remember every time I would see this... See, he's listed here as being in Back to the Future and Pee-Wee's Big Adventure, and I'm trying to remember what the hell roles would he have played? Because he would have been even the- younger, he right?
2: Be- he was the the kid actor in Pee Wee's big adventure that threw the fit
0: that's right that that's what i knew it that was it that was that you just solved it that was it that's what i knew him from and then back to the future he was uh he was one of um lorraine's was he the one wearing the the davy crockett cap at the dinner table yeah yeah that was what i knew him from see i never saw um the wonder years i've never watched that show but i do find it ironic that uh years later he and fred savage would uh would get back together again and be hawk and dove yeah and it's funny that jason hervey the one that i you know because of this movie monster squad i consider to be kind of the asshole didn't play the asshole one of the two hawk and dove
2: he played the like the wussy pacifist dove that's really funny to me i get a kick out of that that was the great thing about the episode because he was the older brother that was constantly picking on Kevin who was played by Fred Savage mm-hmm. and, and to see them switch places like that, I thought that was, a, that was one of my notes actually. So that's really funny. You and I, I guess we just took the same notes a lot, but, uh, well it's but, funny because he's one of
0: these guys like, uh, I'm trying to think of the guy that I was talking about not long ago where it was like, I'd be afraid to meet him in real life because I'd want to take a poke at him because he played the character so well that you hate him. Yeah. I can't remember who I was talking about. No, but this is one of those kind of actors where because of that scene with Fat Kid, you just want to fucking smack him, you know? Whereas it's like I'm sure he's not really like that in real life, but you know it was just I, you know you hold on to the image that you get of a person like, you know from movies. You it's know, like
2: Scott Farkas in A Christmas Story. <laughs>
0: right? he, has, he, has a, he has a
4: real <laughs> snotty looking face too. You right? Know? Yeah. Yeah. He does. Yeah. So that that, that doesn't help at all. Well, the, he had the role he the,
0: played in in Pee Wee's Big Adventure of the yeah. of the just you know completely little bastard. Little yeah.
2: yeah. But. uh... <laughs> the kid who played Eugene, who was the youngest member of the monster squad, the one with the dog. uh, Yeah. Mummy came to my house. He ended up in this HBO film. Ah, God, what was it called? I didn't write it down. It was like judgment day where he plays a a boy that's molested by a priest. And (laughs) it's just like, it was actually, it had David Strathairn in it as the priest and David Strathairn can play any role ever. I mean, I think he's probably one of the most underrated actors walking around planet Earth right now because I've seen him in dozens of films and he is never the same person twice. So, but uh, I mean, it's just it's got a fantastic cast. It's got a great crew to it. Uh, One of the stunt people was Swamp Thing. It was Dick Durock. Oh, Dick uh, in this. He was—you'll blink and you'll miss him, but he's one of the cops that sucked into the vortex at the end of the film. Oh, that's cool. But uh, you know, he was Swamp Thing in the two films and the television series. He was also uh, the guy from the pie-eating scene in Stand by Me. Right. Uh, and and to me, of my favorite episode of the the two episodes of the Incredible Hulk ever, he was the evil Hulk, the evil Hulk. In, yeah, in the first. So. It's just like there are so many things of everything I like in life touching this film and the cast reflects right so beautifully.
0: Well, a couple of, a couple of names that jumped out to me in the in the opening credits that this is where my uh, wow, the pedigree note comes from was Stan Winston. yeah who, uh-huh. you know I, I totally did not remember was connected to this movie. And uh, Richard Edlund, who actually worked—if I'm not mistaken—he worked on Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh yeah. 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 So you know, it's a couple of huge
4: names right there. And produced by Peter Hyams, who's responsible for Outland, Mm -hmm. Capricorn One, that wonderful O.J. Simpson vehicle. Uh, And and 2010. 2010. Oh
0: yeah, that movie. Um, a, a name that uh. I still have no idea how to pronounce it, but he's a guy that is, uh, much like, uh, uh, Steven mocked, you know, is instantly recognizable. He's one of those faces. You'll just look at and go, oh, I've seen this guy. What have I seen him in is Leonard. I have or Leonardo. Rather. I have no idea how you pronounce his last name. Is it Camino Semino? but he plays scary
2: German guy. Oh yes. He in,
0: uh, he was in V he was in, um,
2: Hudson Hawk.
0: um, Penn and Teller get killed. He was uh, uncle Ernesto in Which, Penn and Teller get killed. And I love that movie. And I like. it. Someday we're going to have to do is an it? episode on that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a, well, up to a point, that's a really, really good movie. But, uh, no, he yeah, is, he's one of it. those guys that always plays this type of part. And he did it. Mm-hmm. This is like the more lighthearted version of the character he played in V really, right. Because I loved him in V. He was the fucking conscience of that first part. Of looking at them and going, no, this is what happened before. You all need to stop. God, I love this actor. He's very funny in Hudson Hawk. He plays a Vatican official. And it's really funny to see him going from Italian to German. uh, uh, And many people assume that because of this film in V that he was in a concentration camp. Uh, no, but he was, uh, a soldier in world war two that, that fought, uh, to help liberate France. If I remember, if, I, if my note is correct. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah, he, uh, he's like one of the, where is it here? twice played Nazi trans- concentration camp survivors, rumored to be a survivor of a Nazi concentration camp because his work in Monster Squad and V, Mr. Semino, a resident of New York City, at the time of World War II, joined the U.S. Army and participated in the Normandy invasion. Wow. So. <laughs> He's lucky to be alive, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder if he's
0: still around. You think he's still alive today? Um, I don't know. He, has, he was he pretty old. Dead, yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: According he's according to IMDB, he is not dead. He was also in Dune. Hmm. He was
1: the Baron's
2: that. Doctor in Dune. Um, uh, see
0: I don't remember that movie well. Not, not a enough. very big part, really? yeah. yeah. A couple other quick names, uh uh that I did, you know uh Thank God for, you know, as much as, you know, we rip on it and as much as it's often inaccurate, Wikipedia did actually help me solve a mystery today. Every damn time I watch this movie, Abraham Van Helsing is one of those faces, you know, the the actor that plays him is one of those faces that has driven me nuts because every time I see him, I go, I know this guy from something, but I knew it had to be something really obscure. And thank God for Wikipedia because it finally solved it today. He was Poseidon in clash of the titans he you know was was a scene underwater where he releases the kraken and i was like yeah okay now i know this game but i never ever ever would have put that together if i Mm -hmm. hadn't hooked him up today yeah um david i have again have no idea how you pronounce this guy's last name provol i guess i always remember him as the guy that gets his face stapled in uh uhf when uh, what's his name from uh, Seinfeld is running away and he's clicking the stapler over his shoulder, and then the guy like he comes up, his face comes up and he's got staples all stuck in his face. It's the same guy. He plays the the pilot that Dracula punches out yeah, in the he, one part in
2: this movie. He was also in The Shawshank Redemption. Who was he in that? Uh, let me double check my note on that. He was one of the. He was a prisoner named Snooze. He's just one of the people. You, it wasn't one of like the main prisoners, okay. but he was he was there. He was also apparently also in the Phantom, which is a film that we need to cover. I still haven't seen some that Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it. I've heard it's really good. Yeah, you got you'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. I'm telling you, I right got a now. copy of it at,
0: at one of our friends suggestion that, you know, we we watch it and then cover it on an episode. And I, I did get a copy, but I still have yet to actually watch the movie. It says here he was also in everybody loves raymond which i watched a hell of a lot of but i don't remember him on that show so evidently we had to stop that watching that show why is that my
2: wife and i would just argue
4: <laughs> oh because one of you thought the show sucked ass the one with good taste i take it oh that w- show was good sure. i would take raymond's yeah, side <laughs> yeah he
3: it was, was a good, actually it was a great also show. Uh, he was actually also in a nineteen seventy six TV series called Monster Squad.
4: <laughs>
3: yes, where the monsters were,
4: were the. I was watching episodes of Monster Squad. I've seen Monster Squad when I was a kid, and I was watching episodes of it on um, YouTube today, and that was where uh, it was only Dracula, Frankenstein, and the Wolfman. And they they had been brought back to life by some guy's goofy science experiment, Gone Haywire or something, and they had decided to make up for all their past crimes by they became superheroes basically. They fought they solved mysteries and fought crimes.
2: My name's Walt. I work as night watchman here at Fred's Wax Museum to put myself through criminology college. It used to be very lonely, until recently when I plugged in my crime computer. Suddenly,
1: oscillating vibrations brought to life three legendary monsters. Dracula! The Werewolf! And Frankenstein! Creatures hated and feared for centuries, now determined
4: to make up for their past misbehaving by fighting crime wherever they find it. Together, We're the monster squad.
2: See, that's that's something that needs to be brought back and like brought back right now. Because that's a great idea for a series or a movie. I'd love to see the universal monsters walking around kicking bad guys. As a, you know who it was they need kinda, to it
4: was, it was done very humor. You know, Hanna-Barbera. It wasn't an animation. It was live it action. It sounds like but it was, the, the Drak Pack, which was the show oh, I actually God. liked it was a lot. Very, was it was very kid. similar to the Drak Pack, actually.
1: From the monsters of the past comes a new generation dedicated to reversing the evil image of their forefathers. Under the leadership of none other than Count Dracula, known as Big D, three teenagers formed the do-gooder group, named the Dracula. With special powers, they can transform into super-mighty monsters and use their skills against all evildoers, especially the diabolical Dr. Dread and his renegade rascals Toad, Fly, Man, and Vampyra, a group known as Ogre, the organization of generally rotten enterprises. It's right versus wrong, good over greed, niceness against naughtiness. That's the dedication of the terrific trio, Frankie, Howler, and Drac Jr. The Drac Pack.
2: No, that, that, that needs to be, they need to be fighting Nazis. We need the Universal Monsters versus Nazis.
0: Well, that's kind of <laughs> what the Creature Commandos were like that. The Creature
2: Commandos were basically
0: uh, the, the Universal <laughs> Monsters fighting. And, in and Chuck War Sheffy
2: is laughing at me right now because he's like, I told you. I am the Ultra-Humanite.
0: Doesn't ring any bells. I assume you're the one knocking Allied planes out of the sky?
1: Yes, yes, but that is only the beginning. I have perfected my control of these magnificent beasts. Soon I will unleash them on the Allied forces. They will ensure victory for the Axis powers and the defeat of the Allies. What a fitting addition to my forces the Creature Commandos will
3: be these freaks work for me in the good old US of A, and we're not joining up with some Axis lackey who wants to enslave the world. <laughs> Hi, well, that's all
0: I had as far as uh, cast and crew. Well, of course, we did not talk about uh, uh, the what one of the uh, cast became, and I, I think that was something Mike specifically wanted to talk about.
2: Oh, Phoebe the Fee turned mm-hmm. into a freaking hottie. Good yes. God in heaven. I... I was mm. watching. I, I bought the DVD as soon as it came out uh, because I was so excited. Uh, disappointed with the cover because I think the cover misrepresents re- what the movie is. Uh, but and they get to the um, they get to the the five part documentary and they start interviewing Ashley Bank who played Phoebe and I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> somebody grew up and somebody grew up well. See, I kick myself
0: for not buying that because the copy I have to this day of the movie is there used to be this really great uh, site. I can't remember if it was Torrance. I think it was a Torrent site, but it was a it was a geek oriented thing where it was basically you weren't allowed to put anything on it that was commercially available. So it was it was actually self. That was it. That was the one. Is that still around, or they're they're I done? I think it's. Uh, I think they're still around, but like my
4: membership, you got me into it, and then yeah, and then it has expired. So we probably both have to get invited. It's have yeah. somebody invite us into my that spleen was it. again. Yeah,
0: it was my spleen. It was a really nice torrent site, and it was self-policed and everything because they didn't want to cause any legal problems or any waves or anything. So it was only for stuff that was not commercially available and was like most of it was like super, super obscure shit. Yeah, super nerdy. And somebody came up with uh, a really nice, I think it was taken from like a laser disc or something. Probably. I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful quality, but it was the Monster Squad but unfortunately all it was was just the mo- it's, there's not even any menus because if you pop the DVD DVD in it instantly starts to play there's not even like a title screen or anything so i remember when this came out as an official DVD i passed on it because i was like well i've already got it and it's beautiful so i really don't need to buy this not realizing there was all this bonus material on there so now i
2: want to well, get it for it was a-
4: like a 20th anniversary it, release yeah. or something like that yeah, well, yeah got to get Sheila.
2: it ashley was one of the people that led to one of the more depressing parts of the documentary because i've watched enough of these documentaries to know if they play a certain type of music somebody's died right yes. yeah and, and just
4: the way they start you'll see an interview and they'll be like well you know blah 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 was a one and it's just like and oh. that's
2: exactly what happens here is they start playing sad music and ashley's like she's like the thing I remember about Brent, and I'm like, oh my God, did Fat Kid die? And yeah, in 1997, he died of pneumonia. Jeez. Uh, but it was just like, there was no warning. There was no, you know, like, you know, in memoriam of Fat Kid or. <laughs> which, which <actually laughs> See, he the-
0: couldn't have been very old because in the movie, they give their ages, the, the older kids give their ages at as being 12. So taking that for their actual ages, you know, within, say, well, actually, a year or
2: two. Horace was a year older than I was. So he was just a very young-looking, like, 13, 14 years old at the time of this film. Wow. Which so makes sense, because they usually He would have that. been, what, like, 23, 24? That's, uh-huh. that's awful damn,
0: now, who's
4: Now, who's Horace? Did he play Sean? He was Fat you know, Kid. Oh, Horace Fat is Kid, right. Real, is
2: Hor- Brent Shalom. Was my
4: name, up. yeah, my name is Horace, yes. Horace,
2: yeah. But, uh,
4: Did you fantasize about cocking a shotgun and going? My name is Michael.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, this uh, this might be embarrassing, but yeah, I I, I thought about shooting I a number will... of kids when I was uh when I was a. F- Ain't young. no crime in that, son. Ain't, Ain't no crime um, we'll, in that. We'll talk. We'll talk about that when we get into the film. Because yeah, you, you mean Scott? Thoughts. I'm
4: sure we'll we'll be yeah. able to indulge some of our violent <laughs> fantasies from high school tonight
2: so uh but no it's just like they suckered me into that and I'm like oh my god fat kid died
0: Well, Chris, oh I'm sorry go ahead Mike I didn't mean to jump
2: oh it's okay I was just about to say and died of something like really kind of simple when you think about it yeah just just mundane yeah Chris uh, or
0: Josh did you guys have anything as far as cast or crew before we go on to the next section well the kid who played Sean I have a problem with him uh oh
4: He's got a big fucking head for one thing, <laughs> <laughs> and there's something about little kids with big heads like that. I don't know. I may have discussed this before, but I don't like him. I don't like him. It's, it's he's like a sort of proto Jake Lloyd going there, and he, and this doesn't count against the movie because actually. Like I was one of those little kids who was obnoxious. Like he's obnoxious, you know. He's just a, a obnoxious oh, yeah. little snot. But when I was his age, if I would have seen that movie when I was his age, I totally would have identified with him. I wouldn't. I would have thought of him as precocious. But but now I look at him and that with the big head, I'm just like, I I, I do. I want to punch that kid. You
1: know, like that, a, you know, like a punching guy. my
0: feelings because he, he and Patrick, the two older kids yeah, in the movie, remind me of me and you. I you know.
1: Were...
4: Oh, I know that he totally reminds me of me. And if I met a younger me,
0: I'd no, probably Thomas want to punch me too. Me you Patrick reminds me of you.
4: Sean oh. reminds me. Of me. <laughs> oh well, that's just because Sean's a main character. So I, you know, I, I he reminds me of me, of me too. You know, uh, because he
0: yeah. me mostly for one scene, and that's the scene where he's trying to lay out what's happening to his friends. And there's like a real tense, quiet part. And then Patrick goes, Oh man, fat kid fart. And then the conversation complete, And he goes, God damn it. Will you shut up? And, that, and it's just like, that is so.
1: Well, it's, Oh, well,
2: you know what, what you have to do, uh, chris now is that obviously scott is sean you're patrick i'm fat kid <laughs> um
4: Ooh, a sequel! i smell a sequel
2: and, well not only that but i'm talking but, for the image for this episode there almost. you go <laughs>
4: yeah i mean it's it's yeah it, it, it just writes itself way ahead really. of you on that yeah.
2: uh, shit.
4: way ahead of you on that you're, josh who, do, sorry, who josh. does josh get to be Well, he's
2: the youngest so he's got to be eugene
4: and Josh <laughs> you, 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 you no, gotta, dude, you,
2: Eugene has a badass Punisher poster in his room <laughs> I have sea that monster p- ate my twinkie
0: <laughs> I have that poster staring at me menacingly from across the room at this very moment
2: no, Eugene's got to, He's quiet. He doesn't say much, and he look and he he acts kind of retarded at times. But you can he's tell the he's one who brings in
4: the Marines, man. Yeah. Oh, he, he,
2: wait a minute. Well, no, <laughs> just just the way he talks. Mummy came to my house. That type of thing. But you can tell he's probably just one of those kids that doesn't have good linguistic skills. But he's got a lot going on up in his head. So no, being Eugene isn't bad. Not bad at all. He's so. also
4: the dog whisperer too. <laughs>
2: No, he won't kill a dog. So yeah.
4: <laughs> no, that 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 dog, that dog is is trait Although I'll I'll tell you this, I did notice in the movie that if next time you watch it and you ever when you see him walking around and the dogs following him, notice it he always has something held in one hand and I'm thinking it's probably a dog treat of some sort. And they probably oh. put the dog treat in his hand and all of a sudden that that dog for the, you know,
2: for the movie became his dog. Yeah. Though I will say this, you know, you know for, for a sequel of us playing those characters, that's not a bad idea, and I'll tell you why. Uh, one, because we get paid to do it. And two, well, uh, oh, that's the most important part. But two, you know, if you did a sequel to this film, my fear would be they would do something like they did with the Frog Brothers, where they're badasses. And the whole point of this is that these kids aren't badasses at all. So if they had to come across something like this again as adults, I don't want them trained in Kung Fu. You know what no, I'm saying? No, you uh, know, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. You want them having to handle this shit again because they're the only ones that can. Because I have a feeling that after this, the Monster Squad broke up as an orga- organization fairly quickly because they took care of all the monsters. They pretty much, yeah, solved
4: the monster problem in one fell swoop. Yes.
3: So the sequel would go happened? Lovecraftian.
4: Ooh. They had to fight ooh. Yes! Oh, yes! The Monster Squad versus Cthulhu versus the Old Gods. <laughs> Excellent! Oh, I... well,
0: there's a number right of itself. places I, I right think right you itself. could go. You know, you could go with, uh, you know, you could go with, you know, zombies. You could go with aliens. Um, more vampires. You know, anything like that. I th- I don't think that necessarily just because they took out these four that there's you know now suddenly a lack of monsters
2: that they actually... could actually. The uh, the sequel is kind of built into one of the earlier scenes because Sean wants to go see a f- a slasher film, so you put him up there against you know. a bunch of you know you put up against Jason and Freddy and Michael Myers and <laughs> that'd be kind of badass actually. What? God. Why can't we get paid to write this shit? We could. <laughs> but well, now I, I
0: think we should uh, we should get into the movie proper as far as uh, a rundown of our notes. Um, however, we want, we want to do this. If we just want to throw things out or we want to go one at a time, it's completely up to you guys. It's your
2: show. Well, what do you think?
0: I have a nice little transition because right after I saw the name
4: Stan Winston, mm-hmm. within minutes after that, guess what I saw? Rubber bats on strings. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, I was so excited to see rubber. I was so happy that they did rubber bats on strings because I was like, you know. They didn't have to do rubber bats on strings, you know. They could have done something else. I appreciate it's it's just so part of you know, and you, and with Stan Winston, you think state of the art, you know. But that's well, so part do, of
3: Do you Do you think that maybe it was uh, that, that is like an homage or a oh, yeah. To oh yeah. Yeah, universal and then Oh, uh, these oh days. yeah. Awesome! I'll bet you they effects. sat
4: down and made a list of like stuff they had to have in this movie. You know, special effects that you had to see, and th- you know things that had to happen. And one of them was probably like rubber bats. <laughs> you got to see some rubber bats flying around Dracula as he as he wakes up.
2: Well, the the, the thing about this introduction to me is. I bo- I have a love hate relationship with these types of introductions because on one hand none of the main characters are in it. You know it's, this is going to sound like a weird comparison, but it, but it kind of makes sense. It's like the intro, it's like the introductory scene of Hudson Hawk, which takes place in you know Italy during the time of Leonardo da Vinci. I mean it has nothing to do with Bruce Willis or any of the other characters, right? But it sets up something very pivotal for the film. So on one hand, it's like, God, I just want to get to the movie. But on the other hand, no, you have to have this scene so that everything makes sense. We have to see a hundred years ago, Dracula getting banished, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, the vortex opening up so that everything else in the movie can happen.
4: And also, I think that was their chance to pay a little homage to like the hammer. Oh yeah! De- oh, too, oh, you def- know? oh
2: yeah! That whole castle is a fucking hammer, right? Castle, right. So. It <laughs> was a whole,
4: you know, it was a whole Peter Cushing, Van Helsing sort of, you know, it was it was definitely more of the color sort of horror movies than yeah. the black and white Universal homage in that in that part there.
2: Now that, that was a lovely little medley of of old horror films, kind of uh, thrown into one, you know. "Quote unquote modern, se- you know, movie." So, and I think that's why it worked out so well. I, I, I thought then as now, I thought the Vampire babes were kind of hot. Um, oh yeah, it's one of my notes. Just I, I don't know. I know they'd kill me, but goddamn, you know, if uh, Jesus, they're hot. What a way to go! <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if yeah, it's better than
4: going from pneumonia. Say, you know,
2: <laughs> I think Fat Kid at the last minute goes, "Why can't I get bitten by big-titted?" female vampires Yeah.
0: <laughs> damn it
2: <laughs>
0: well who wants to run with their notes first Um. well I've got the note Dracula looks a little generic what do you guys think of that I like that and I'll tell yeah. you why because I like that he's not slavish to any particular incarnation I don't think any of the monsters in this are and I like that a lot I like that there are Uh, nods and asides and homages. Some of them are are very in-your-face and some of them are very, very, very subtle. But I like that none of the monsters look completely like any version. But I think Dracula stands out the most as being uh, both an amalgam and an original at the same time. And I really like that because he reminds me very much of... The badass version of Dracula that yeah. the X Men fought back in uh, X Men, I think it was one fifty nine. I've always or loved that. Just story. generally the two Dracula version yeah, of Dracula first, very much so because I, I think you know one of my I, I really love vampire stories, but I'm very very particular about them, and they have to be done a certain way. And one of the things that I feel like always seems to get left behind in a, in a good vampire story that a lot of people, I don't know if they just don't remember or they don't think about it, is that vampires are super strong. And we see that a number of times in this movie where Dracula's a badass. You know, he's he's really strong and he's really tough and I like that, you know? You know what's weird though? He is a badass but like the Dukes of Hazard, he really
4: loves his dynamite. He uses dynamite <laughs> a lot when As he could off. just yeah. when he could just kick down a wall or stuff or, you know, I would picture Dracula could just sort of go into the middle of, you know, half in bat state into their clubhouse and just sort of summon up the winds to to crush well, instead of having to chuck a of stick of dynamite. You know, well, it's a very just human way of dealing scene. Yeah, yeah, I
2: was about I was about to seriously defend that scene because it goes to the heart of why I love this Dracula. I'm not picking on it. I'm just saying
4: I've never seen Dracula as somebody. It would be like it's almost like Dracula having a gun. You know, it's like (laughs) that's true. Yeah, you know, you usually figure Dracula's powers usually come from either like taking over somebody's taking their will away or his insane strength and command over the elements and and the filthy rodentia and bugs (laughs) and stuff like that
2: what I like about Duncan's Dracula though is except for three moments uh, the first being when the lightning strike happens earlier in the film and there's like a skull shot of him which I thought Mm -hmm. looked awful Uh, and the whole thing with Phoebe where he calls her a bitch and then hisses at her other than those three moments he is so fucking intense he is just radiating evil, he's not overplaying it, he's not underplaying it, he's not camping it up either, no. and that's what I love about, he's just in the freaking moment it's like, he is a force of nature and I think that I think that sort of bad guy has gotten lost in recent decades because now we want our are are villains? Chewing the scenery, be, yeah. Well, not not either chewing the scenery or being so likable that you don't want them to be the bad guy. Almost, right? Right. And here, here's a guy. He's just he's evil. He's not pure evil because that's copyrighted, but he's evil. And <laughs> he looks so cool, and he carries himself with such grace and poise. It's like that you could see that the actor was really thinking about his performance. But not showing us that he was thinking about his performance, you know. It's just like every line was delivered with with grace and dignity. I mean, that scene where he blows up the 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 headquarters, even quote unquote headquarters, uh, later in the film. Uh, you know he walks away and what is oh God, what is the line that he says? Meeting
4: adjourned Meeting
2: adjourned, Meeting adjourned. adjourned. Yeah. Jesus he was just going to blow up 412 year old kids
4: He's Arnold Schwarzenegger Meeting
0: adjourned No it's no no I no I don't think it's <laughs> Schwarzenegger ask at all?
1: No, not, it's not. Well, no, it's a
0: catchphrase. He he
4: gets a little catchphrases. It year. is a
0: catchphrase, but I mean the Schwarzenegger thing has just become a, a, a joke upon a joke to where it's now it's like a self-parody. Yes. Whereas I, I don't I don't equate this quite the same way. No, it yeah, wasn't at the time
4: period where it would have been that. Yeah. So if it was done now, it would be a re- reference to Schwarzenegger. It's just it's just funny seeing. You, you don't expect Dracula, like, saying, you know, meeting adjourned and, and tossing some dynamite. <laughs> you know, that's... That's true. It's,
2: uh, I just considered it so reserved,
3: like, I'm fucking evil. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's meeting <dumb>. adjourned. <laughs> but... They would have gone for a harsher rating if uh, to add to his, said that.
4: Yes. To add to his coolness rating, he did have a monster mobile.
2: Yeah, a yeah, badass car. That car yeah. That's a great car.
0: That reminds me of the of a of some sort of amalgam of both the car from the movie, the car, but also the hearse from what was the hell was it called the hearse? There was a movie about an it evil was hearse. It was called the hearse. Yes. Is it called the hearse. Yeah, yeah. It, remind,
2: it reminds me of both of those vehicles quite the a bit: the car
4: and the hearse. It yeah. was, <laughs> it,
2: it, it's really odd though that you guys compare yourselves to the main characters because the fir- the very first scene, I'm like, this is what it must have been like to go to school with Chris and Scott. I'm the and kid with Golden. the
4: cigarette and the the leather jacket and the. <laughs> yeah, right. No,
2: no, no. Because the opening scene where we meet, you know, uh, Sean and Patrick. Sh- Sean and Patrick. Sean doesn't give a shit what he looks like. He's wearing like a Stephen King rules T-shirt. Patrick, though. I, I always got the vibe that Patrick was the one that was trying to look smooth mm-hmm. as, as well as be kind of funny because he's always wearing like the button downs and stuff like that. But their, their personalities and the way they were talking and the way they were trying to get out of being in trouble with the principal, and actually that seems one of my minor quibbles with the film, is I hate that the principal goes, I know, I think science is cool. It's no, like, dude, it's, it's so- hip, man. Uh, this was
0: totally like our, uh, what you call it, guidance counselor in school. Really?
2: Just I'm like, sorry. Yeah, just
0: lingo that was 20 years out of date and thinking he was hip with the kids and all that. Yeah.
2: 23 so. skidoo, man. Yeah, yeah, just,
0: exactly. Just a, just a correction
4: from our Eli Nutter show. I remember my guidance counselor was different than yours. Mine was Mr. Malerk. That was mine. He was... That's
2: just an unfortunate name. He was
4: right Malerk the Jerk, and he was... <laughs> Just as lame as your guidance counselor, but yeah, that did that did remind me of, of our guidance. That that school was not as dysfunctional as ours. It was still, you know, just you know, he was more of a normal square thing. Add a little, you 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 can't, you know, if you want to start comparing movies to our school experience, you got to start getting into David Lynch territory rather than <laughs> the Monster Squad, rather than the faux Spielberg sort of, you know. But,
2: uh, <laughs> but i love the patrick's line when he's he he ends the sentence with how rude (laughs) it's just i just laugh every time i see it because he's obviously run out of things to say and he can't look any smoother so he's gonna go out with that line yeah all i
0: know is i i can't get too deep into this for for certain reasons but if you listen to the dialogue as they're leaving the principal's office and certain things that they say that I don't think that they could get away with these no, days, no. all <laughs> kinds of protesting. All I have to say is, God damn it, do I miss the eighties? And they don't make movies like this anymore. No, they Take don't. them what no, you, well you
2: will. <laughs> you, uh, you know, the words and stuff that you're talking about, Scott, it's absolutely right. Because I remember growing up, those were things that were thrown around all the time. Mm-hmm you know in uh-huh. in the, in the halls and on the bus and stuff and 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 that is why I, I think this film is so natural is because it reflects things that i actually heard i don't know if they a hung time. out with a bunch yeah. of kids or if just being a kid has not changed all that much except for hairdos and what you're into and and clothing styles but you know those you know the the, the epithets i guess is the best way to right write
4: well if stuff. they had those epithets in the modern in the remake they're making of the monster squad uh, it, it, it wouldn't be in there because that's uh, you. You you, you, uh, you would get sent to the principal, or even worse, or expelled, or something these days for saying some of the stuff that you could say then. But on the other hand, there's also stuff you can say now that you couldn't talk about back then in the '80s. So, you know, when you see a movie like this, it's it's just a time capsule. You know, yeah. it's a time capsule yeah. of the of the language and the 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 style of dress and and everything you know i mean the 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 and everything in this movie is sort of just a stylized you know the the one girl in it the teenage girl is just your sort of typical 80s teenage girl with her hairdo and valley girl, you know, valley girl style you know and <laughs> that
2: girl's your sister <laughs> you totally know what happened at the, you know, after the after this and, was after this movie was over between and the, those two characters.
4: In the eighties, and now did you notice this? And 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 you know, last year it's funny. Last year we did Fright Night, and Fright Night Two, for Halloween, but uh, uh, in the eighties there was always some there was always p- people creepy peeping on some girl taking her clothes off ever since an, um, Animal oh. House, I think.
2: And, was, and Porkys, I think maybe and Porkys there was Porky's, always yeah. a
4: scene, and it was always just sort of innocent you know innocent fun of somebody looking through binoculars at the you know, <laughs> you know at the girl changing in her room, and you know it
2: would be great is to take the footage of uh, Rudy looking at uh, the girl in the in her underwear when they're giving him his initiation and cut footage from Superman Returns and Superman looking at Lois. <laughs> 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 that would be super stalkery. No, I just, I just love the line when he's coming out of the. What, what Sean says when he's coming out of the offices. No one prepares you. The, you know, the people with cat heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, well,
4: that that was one of my favorite gags of the the movie is the setup of you know she has a funny shaped head and then you finally see her head and they did a just a great job with her makeup of making her look like a cat like a cat head yeah. it's it's awesome it's just you like yeah
2: there was always people like that in your life though when you were a kid there was always somebody who looked just like completely ridiculous oh
4: tell me about to it to you as, I a, was, as a child yeah and i was actually i was one of them that was probably looking ridiculous to everybody else too yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah yeah oh no we had lots of teachers that were you know walking talking monstrosity mutants
0: well, did anybody else? And and it's funny because these movies uh, actually came out right around the same time as each other. But did anybody else get a serious uh, Evil Dead Two vibe from the Vortex yes. in the Limbo? Um, well, especially yeah, the way people that. would fly
2: into it. Yeah, yeah. there's a uh, there's a reason for that. One of the guy, one of the special effects guys worked on Evil Dead Two. Uh, oh, okay. There you go. So <laughs> it's just like, ah, oh, I know how to do this. Yes. <laughs> So uh, it
4: was very evil. Yeah. It was very Evil Dead Two or Army of Darkness, you know, That's sort of.
0: Up I would totally be down for is is Ash together with the Monster Squad fighting the undead. That would, I would that would totally be good. Would I would watch mm.
4: that, yes, or read that, I mean, or whatever
0: they've been I don't know if it's still coming out but for a while there there was that Army of Darkness comic series that was milking all kinds of crossovers that's something I think they could easily do as a comic and I would totally buy that I Mm -hmm. really would Mm
3: -hmm. yeah I think it's still coming out actually yes um, they're doing uh, Army of Darkness with Danger Girl right now Good lord.
4: Well, you know, they could also throw Frankenstein in it because Frankenstein went in the vortex. Right. And you could link it together by saying it's the same vortex. You could say Dracula was working with the the undead, you know, in the Necronomicon or something.
3: Yeah. I would totally. Yeah, I I could really be down for that. Which which would totally play into our sequel because the Necronomicon is a Lovecraftian creation.
4: Yes. All right. So we get to do a movie with Bruce
0: Campbell. I like it. Well, speaking of Bruce's, I can't believe that we're this far into this episode. And and I have so far held myself back from talking about the Bruce I want to talk about most in this is uh, Bruce Broughton. This is one of my favorite Bruce Broughton scores. Uh, I just I love the way this movie opens after the little you know the little descriptor that you know talks about the you know how they were going to try to the the monsters and they blew it and it just goes into that awesome music in the cemetery i I love the whole opening to this and i'm so glad that they finally put this out as an official soundtrack but uh i mean bruce broughton you know you talk about a rich pedigree this guy i mean he's got just you know an awesome resume of, of really really great soundtracks just a few of them here is like uh silverado young sherlock holmes <sighs> fly harry and the hendersons which was a, a really good one um the Rest of hunter honey i blew up the kid um uh, baby's day out was a really good one and then you know for me he's uh he's also done a, a good number of uh disney uh theme park music uh you know for different attractions and rides and things like that he did uh the making of me which was a uh a movie with Martin Short basically talking about the whole reproductive process, but it was a great. great... That's just who you want to tell you tell about it. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, said grimly. <laughs> the Timekeeper, which was a really good one. Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Alan's Energy Adventure, which you got which, to see, which since you were here. that was a great. We on, yes, and I, and I uh, got to hear. And then he did uh, he did the most recent version of uh, the the soundtrack to Spaceship Earth over in Epcot, which. Has met with kind of mixed reviews. I like it a lot. I just don't like it as much as the uh, the original. Oh, but I mean, that's just a, like the short list of things he's done. But he's done a lot of uh, movies, a lot of TV, and uh, just a great, great uh, composer. But I love this particular one because most of his other stuff has been kind of light, fluffy, almost, I guess you could almost say Disney-esque, whereas this one... Is you know it's monsters, so it's very dark and and creepy and sinister, and I really really dig this score a lot.
2: What do you, what did you guys think of the music in this? I like it a lot. I I, I, I think it's one of those things that's kind of integral to the film for me, mm-hmm. and I get like that with film music. It's like if if I really like the movie and and I really like the score, it's kind of hard for me to separate the two almost. That uh, This is going to be a weird comparison The Outsiders You know the Francis Ford Coppola movie Based on the S.E. Hinton novel Mm -hmm. uh, The score to that film Is integral to my enjoyment of the film So much to the point That when Coppola went in And fiddle-fucked with it And put in the music he originally wanted to It completely ruined the movie for me Because I wanted the music I was accustomed to Right. We were music, talking
4: yeah. with you about that with the end of Jedi, too, earlier. Yeah, it's just like, month. you know,
2: it's 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 that... Uh, like I said, I'm kind of weird that way, but, you know, I, I get emotionally attached to certain things. And, th- and this is one of those. It's like another music we were talking about off-air was the, the score to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's like some of those scenes yeah. would be, like, completely different if they didn't have the music that they had in the original movie, so... I consider I like that, scores.
0: quite honestly, to be one of the best uh, scored movies of the 80s was the original Bill & Ted's Excellent Adventure. And it's just one of those ones where I don't even think people realize how expertly scored that movie is because it it just adds so much to the overall tone of particular scenes in that movie, but in a very subtle, not mm-hmm. at all over-the-top way that just, it, it carries you through like, like the, you know... Bill and Ted, you know, they're just a duo, but the music is like that that unseen third member
2: of the cast, and it's just great. Yeah, right? It's like at the end... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, no, go ahead. Well, at at the end of the film, when they come out of the thing and they're giving their presentation to the high school, you know, the music in that scene is amazing. And and it adds to the overall, like, hell yeah, feeling that you're having, because they finally got there, and and the audience is cheering, and it's just, ah, man, you're absolutely right. It's just you good music good scores are like that though
0: absolutely well one one way to see the the impact of the music with that movie is uh sometime watch the scene where they realize the booth is broken and they're back in the prehistoric past and they they patch up the thing and there's a shot where they're all jammed into the phone booth and the camera slowly pans from their feet all the way up to the top of the booth and as it pans by them it shows this patch or something that's on um, Bill's leg that says save the humans as it pans up. And the music in that part is just really tense and, and it's just one of the pivotal moments of the movie. Watch that sometime and turn the sound off just through that scene and see how it completely changes the tone of that scene. I mean, the music is entirely what's carrying you in that part of the movie. It's, it's just one of those great scenes to, to watch it without the sound to see just how powerful a factor music is in a movie. And uh, I love it. I, it's one of my favorite scenes of, of any movie, but particularly of that one. That's one that we've got to tackle really soon, guys, is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. God damn it. I'm down for that. that. Mm-hmm, I'd be definitely. down for both of them. Yeah, I love, yeah well, I love them both. Yeah, I really do. Are so, we, can, uh,
4: can anybody tell me who had the um, product placement deal in this movie? Pepsi.
2: Uh-huh. And Snickers. And Burger King. And, and Burger King. Oh, definitely. Burger, Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> but this was a time when Pepsi and Burger King were synonymous, which is right. something I miss about the 80s, because, you know, the, the whole rivalry, you know, Coke versus Pepsi, well, McDonald's versus Burger King, and now... Burger King serves coke and it depresses me it's just like wow <laughs> the Americans won, Glassnose went horribly wrong horribly horribly wrong um,
4: I, I loved seeing that when his father brought him some Burger King up on the roof when yeah. was, well, it, and the conveniently placed drive-in at the bottom of the hill with Dude, houses over the... it
0: He's got the best bedroom in the world there's if he can no way out they'd window and watch the drive in movie that's, out his window. that's just oh. the
4: most unrealistically placed drive in in any they don't put drive in <laughs> smack in the middle of suburbia like that. It's just ridiculous, but it's awesome, it but is. it was great seeing the old Burger King packaging you know
0: yeah. it's it was just like, oh yeah, that's right, that bright orange you the, know uh... See, I'm gonna side with uh, Dennis. What's his name in that that song that Josh referenced earlier? And I hope he threw the old-fashioned styrofoam containers right off the fucking roof. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, they were cardboard by then. Oh, were they cardboard? Yeah, open? yeah. They, the styrofoam was long gone by then. I remember yeah, the like last the last
2: person. The last person used styrofoam was the McDlt's.
4: Right, right. Because they had to keep the keep them separate,
2: keep them separated. Keep the hot side hot, the cold side cold classy is apparently that makes a a mcdonald's burger better a huge Uh, difference the scene that brings out the Mike smash in me is when we get to meet fat kid and we we see this overweight kid who's kind of tall you know because he's about as tall as all the other characters and he's walking he's walking across the school grounds he's eating a candy bar and he's reading wonder woman number three so
1: now, I, how I,
0: geeky are you and i that we both know that without having to research it because i wrote down in my note wonder woman number three and then i put a question mark next to it looked it up sure enough wonder woman number three i was yeah, like, I did the same
2: thing i'm like that's that's <laughs> like the se- I, I was sitting there thinking that's the second or third one because that's when she actually comes to man's world with steve trevor right so man's world um <laughs> So he bumps into the two bullies And they're pretending to be news anchors Obviously because they saw Better Off Dead But are not as cool as the two Asian guys Drag racing um, But They start picking on him They step on the candy bar Which is like god that sucks And then they rip the fucking comic in half And I, I never got into a fight In, in grade school or high school uh, I was challenged several times I always walked away I think that would have been completely different if I was sitting there reading one of my comics and somebody came and ripped it in half right in front of me. I think that would have tripped some, like, Jason Bourne-type training within me, and suddenly I'm, like, taking 15 guys out. Because, god damn, that scene makes me mad every fucking time I see—I just want to be—I know they're, like, like 12, 13, maybe 14 years old— but even as like a thirty-five-year-old male, I just want to push him up against the wall and beat the hell. You want to
4: curb him like American history acts? Oh yeah, <laughs> put your
2: fucking teeth on the curb. <laughs> it, I, it, ah, God, it just. But it's all made better. Well, not because the comics ruined, but um, and, and actually, it's kind of funny. This movie came out late in in nineteen eighty-seven. That mo- that book came out in like early nineteen eighty-seven so that was a new issue on the stand when they got right. him, uh which I thought was kind of cool but we, we're, we're introduced to Rudy in that scene as well and Rudy's like the most complicated character in this entire movie you yeah. really don't know where he comes from <laughs> no I'm serious about that he, no you're, you're absolutely right because there are moments in this film where you see he is playing a part but there are times when that like like really late in the film and uh, maybe i'll save it for for later in the film but there's a moment later in the film where he where the kid playing him i don't know if he was coached i don't know if it was just instinctual but he has this scene where he has to do something and you can see that you know he was playing the cool guy but when he actually has to literally pull the trigger it's like really upsetting
0: yeah yeah i noticed that too
2: and uh but you know he he rolls up on his bike because it's you know junior high so you have bicycles and he pretends to light the cigarette and he makes ej eat the candy bar and my first thought is always where the hell did this guy come from and why is the guy who looks like he should be the bully protecting the kid getting picked on? yeah
0: yeah i've always regretted that we never get that backstory i just would like to know how is how are he and fat kids uh how are they friends how did that work out you know what i mean there's that's a story actually, there somewhere
3: that's actually covered in the um in the little documentaries that are on the um See, totally uh, the dvd oh is where, it where it's just like yeah well, it's not it's not covered but uh, the guy that's um uh playing them Just like it's one of those things that uh, you don't understand, Uh, you know. Rudy is this cool kid, but he's hanging out with the outcasts, you know. Where it's like the oil and uh, oil and water, you know, they don't mix.
2: I, I always just got the sense that this guy was probably, I think he was probably short and hit a growth spurt and became cool. Maybe he moved to a new school and got to reinvent himself, but he looks like he's more comfortable hanging out with the geeks, Right. Than hanging out with the popular guys. Like, like secretly he likes all this stuff, but he doesn't want to let it on to the public. But you can see when he's talking about monsters, he's really getting into talking about monsters. And he, he's like the guy that you knew in high school that read comics, but he never told anybody. And he, he didn't told really you want to not admit to, tell to anybody, it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he would be the one there. There's a movie out there called <laughs> comic book villains that, yeah. uh, that star that's basically treasure of the Sierra Madre with a comic book collection. And Carrie Elways plays one of the heavies in the film. And later in the movie, he's getting quizzed on comic books. And he was like the bully, the guy that beat people up in high school, but he knows the first appearance of wonder woman. So, so somewhere is- along the way, he picked up some love of this or some affection for the geeky stuff and, and just maybe hanging out with these kids is his way of expressing that. Either that, or he, he's just a loser and he just is trying to be cool. But no, every, when he rolls up, everyone kind of backs up Mm -hmm. like ooh, Rudy's here. (laughs) Something's going on.
3: on. (laughs) I,
2: I,
4: my first thought was older brother or like older cousin or something like that. You know, that
2: would make a lot of sense though. If he was like, if, if if the if if fat kid was his cousin and his and you know like he had you know they played together as a ki- as kids or something and he just doesn't want to see the kid get picked on you know it's just like no no one's doing this on my watch you know and i and i could probably take e j in like a
3: single punch so <laughs> Or he's Make just it. like Captain America. He's just doing the good thing because it's the it's the right thing to do.
0: Right. And he doesn't like bullies. Yeah, I I could I could buy that. Or he just people... or he just didn't like that particular
3: bully. Maybe
4: that guy was like one guy that he really didn't like, so he looked for opportunities to bully well, that bully.
2: Well, there are times, you know, in, in high school situations where like the captain of the football team turns out just to be this really cool guy that mm-hmm. doesn't want anybody getting ripped on just because he's a nice guy was. Raised Right, you know, You know, saw Captain, you know, read Captain America comics as a kid to go with Josh's recommended, you know, I mean, um, reference there. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I just, I like Rudy because of that, because he, he's, there's a lot going on with that character that I don't think people think about when they're watching the film. But I, I constantly, every time I see it, I see little different things that make me realize that, the writers really put a lot of effort into this character outside of him just being cool they they put a lot of
4: effort into everything this there's a lot of layers for this being yeah. sort of a fluffy little movie there's and everything is clichéd but there's just layers and layers of clichés you know the you know they they didn't it's i i knew uh, although as soon as, you know, there was a reference to monsters with the creepy German guy that we were going to see a, a tattoo on his arm. But, you know, I mean, there's the fight with the...
2: That was a great scene, though. Yeah. Yeah. Because Fat Kid just makes it as an... Jeez, off- you know a lot about monsters, and I think I do. And they show the tattoo, and you're like, holy shit. As soon as he <laughs> said, I think I do, I'm like, what monsters? Oh, I'll bet yeah, I know what
4: monsters he's talking about. And then it's like, right. right, shot right goes right to the tattoo, and it's like,
2: yep. And this was the movie where I learned about that because uh, one time I was watching it and my dad was in the room. I'm like, Dad, what is up with that? He's like, oh, he was in a concentration camp. Mm-hmm. And it's like, holy shit. No. <laughs> Try explaining concentration camps to a 12-year-old.
1: Right. Well, without...
2: then they probably know. See, yeah. there's
0: as much as i love this movie and it's like mike said there are just a couple little scenes that that have always kind of stood out to me as as bugging me a little bit one of them is what mike mentioned earlier with dracula calling phoebe a bitch i've never really liked that i didn't I, I like that he, either yeah i wish he had called her like a i don't know a or just something not, but you know screaming in a little bit calling her a bitch is just that was a little over the top for me but it was out of character German, for him, too. Yeah. Well, the, the scary German guy scene reminded me of, of something that's always bothered me. And I mean, this has bothered me from first viewing. So this isn't just like, you know, the, the dad in me. But in the scene where they're all standing in front of scary German guy's house and the the older kids all walk away. And then he actually scary German guy actually looks out the window and Phoebe's the only one standing there watching at that time. She actually turns and runs away and she runs right across the street without looking either way. And that's always bugged me. It's like, that's totally what a little (laughs) kid would do. It is very much what a little kid would do. So it's, it's one of those things where, yes, it's realistic, but at the same rate, it's just, every time I see that scene, it's like, Damn I want I don't want to see this kid get hit by a car. You know it's just <laughs> I always have the same reaction every time that's a damn it stop and look for the cars before you run out in the street. I don't know why it's just it's one of those scenes that's always every single time I watch the movie I think the same thing, you know that you should stop and look before you run out there.
2: You, you uh, know and, and it's kind of funny cuz the movie outside of one kind of gaping plot hole doesn't really have too many plot holes.
0: No. Well, uh, that's because it doesn't have a whole hell of a lot of plot to it, really. What's your? It's the big yeah. gaping plot hole because there is one to me that just—they're
2: they're, they're all virgins. It shouldn't—it doesn't say it has to be a female virgin. It just says a virgin has to read this. No. None of those kids have seen the lick of a snake. <laughs> exactly. So, it's very true. So well, to me,
0: but, the, big, the big plot hole in this whole thing is the fact that it all takes place in suburban America. Why isn't this happening in some you know Bavarian village somewhere? That's because that's right.
2: where the book went. Remember, she bought the book at a yard sale, basically, and, yeah, and that's he's why after Dracula the and he's after the book to get. Right, but the then what? what about the
0: whole thing with with the amulet? And there's a part where Dracula even. Cursed oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. All that. If he if he went into limbo a hundred years ago, then how did he set the whole thing up with? the amulet being buried in this oh. you know, basement and all that. That never really added up okay. to me, but it's one of those things I've never stopped to think too much about because I don't want the movie to unravel. I like yeah. it the way it is, you know what right. I mean? So um, it's one of those things I just have purposely not really thought too much about.
2: <laughs> something uh... I
4: figured the person who had the amulet was a follower of Dracula who was like, someday the master will come back and I will have his amulet and book, you know, and... That's why the and and, but for but also the amulet was surrounded by crosses though. (laughs) Or he was a descendant of Van Helsing because the amulet when it where it was had crosses all around it to keep Dracula purposely away from it. That's why somebody had to go in there and grab
0: it for him to actually get it. That I didn't. That I don't like only because the Fright Night fan in me likes the part where the vampire in Fright Night actually takes the cross away from Peter Vincent and says, you have to have faith for this to work on me. So simply setting up a bunch of crosses shouldn't be enough to keep uh, Dracula away following that same train of logic because there's no active faith behind it. But in the just symbology.
4: Yeah, but in the classic old, you know, in the classic old Dracula movies, the shadow of a cross falling
0: across him couldn't do him in. You know what I mean? Speaking of shadows and such, another scene that's always driven me a little bit crazy, and I think this actually played a lot better on old VHS tapes, is the scene where um, in the plane um, the pilot dumps the coffins out, yeah. and then Dracula is like standing there in midair in that really cool shot. Well, then he follows the coffins down Into to the, the swamp. Sunlight. It's yeah, it's it's broad daylight but on the old vhs's i think it had a murkier look to it so it looked like it could be like at dusk or something but watching this on dvd and
2: crystal clear it looks like broad daylight yeah that's something i thought about as well as like why isn't he bursting into because you know the very
0: next scene fat kid says one of the ways to kill a vampire is sunlight so i'm like all right so obviously they knew that it wasn't something that they forgot so they, I think they just forgot to darken that scene up more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you sorry. and I had. Oh, That's sorry.
1: No, go you ahead. And you, I didn't... A...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you and I had a similar note about the strength, though. as I love the fact that Dracula doesn't re, You know, draw the fist back and knock him across the thing. It's just like a little rabbit punch, but it sends <laughs> the guy flying. Yeah, and I like you know what sells strength is not what the actor does it's what the stunt man being thrown does Mm -hmm. so if an actor gives a very short little punch and the the stunt man goes flying that to me always looks cooler than you know them kind of like taking a swing like they're swinging a hammer or trying to hit the bell at the top of the thing at the county fair and just it just just his entire look is you are insignificant and nothing to me i'm not even going to waste too much movement on knocking your ass mm-hmm. out uh frankly i'm surprised those two pilots lived i really am i'm surprised yes. they didn't die that, from I... the
4: very first scene that uh, introduced
2: them as just found for death yes yeah i mean and and it was it was kind of funny because because i like that scene because even though you don't see much of him it's like you got the guy going you go check that i'm gonna sit up here and make spooky sounds Ooh. who is that guy
0: by the way because he looks really familiar to me every time i watch this movie and i can't place He him. looks he, like
4: a comedian for some reason yeah he, he reminds
0: me a lot of uh i don't know if it's david spade or one of those yeah one of those comedians that you see in like Sitcoms today, but I, I just can't seem to place
2: him. He's been a bit player in a thousand things. I'm trying to see if there's anything on this list. You know, <laughs> apparently he was on an episode of Riptide, but then again, I was on an episode <laughs> of Riptide. So um <laughs> that's an old joke, but I like bringing it out every once in a while. I, I can't see anything here where I would say it. You would go, Ooh, him. Yeah. Um, he, he looks like
0: <laughs> he, he looks like somebody from, you know, like uh, like a David Spade movie, or, yeah. or something. I, I don't know. I just I don't know why I keep coming to that character, but he looks a little bit like him to me. I don't know why, but uh, he was he was well, on also,
2: Hardcastle and McCormick, which means he was an actor in the eighties. <laughs>
0: <laughs> also, out of that scene with uh, with the the kids in the clubhouse and all, where they're talking about the ways to kill a monster, that one of the scenes Jeez. I. Loved is where they're trying to decide what what was the other way to kill a werewolf. a werewolf, and one of them just casually throws out falling out of a window onto a bomb. Yeah. Later in the movie, it actually happens. Yeah. I've always loved that. I thought that was really great because I don't know that people you know on first viewing
2: would catch that.
0: You know, it's right. one of those repeat viewing things and, that you catch and go, "Okay, that's hysterical."
2: And what sells that is that. Patrick saying it sounds like totally like he's making this shit up, like on the spot, like it falls out of a out of a a window onto, onto a bomb. (laughs) Now
0: we're, we're all geeks here. So I know that we all have our little catchphrases from our favorite movies that we probably repeat all the time and drive the other people in our lives that are not quite so geeky. Absolutely crazy. One of my favorite quotes from movies that I use, I swear to God all the time comes from the monster squad. And that's the part where they come in, you know, Sean and Phoebe come in for dinner and Sean, you know, is talking to his mother about the book that she bought for him. Phoebe walks over to the TV and goes, boring guy, boring guy, boring guy, boring guy. I do that all the fucking time. That's one of my favorite movie moments. And it's, it's just so subtle and in the background, but I love it. Every time I see that scene, I crack up because that's totally me. If I'm, there, if I'm not into what's on, it's boring guy. I love that.
2: You know, and, and that scene, that whole sequence of Sean at home uh, is really where I think a lot of the heart of this film lies because normally, and Scott and I have discussed this on Tales of the JSA a lot, we fucking hate the wife that is the long-suffering wife Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the, mm-hmm. but but for some reason one i like the father because he's obviously engaged in his kids lives and yeah. uh, and, and eventually yeah. yeah his whole thing is i want to protect my son like when he faces off against dracula when i watched this as an adult it actually kind of choked me up a little bit because i'm like he's he's defending his kid you know, that's, that's all he's seeing. He's not seeing, you know, evil Lord of the Undead. It's, no, someone's fucking with my kid, and that shit's not going to stand. But, you know, when he heads out, because he gets the call, and he has that nice little conversation with Sean, where Sean's trying to convince him to let him to go to the movie. And I love that. It's like, I think you're trying to get five bucks out of me. Well, can I have the five bucks anyways? Yeah, you can have the five bucks anyways. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's just just like absolutely, yeah.
0: (laughs) But uh, well, I like that scene where he faces Dracula because it feels like, for one, it's a great piece of acting, but it's a great piece of acting in a very subtle way because I think you can really read in that moment two things are going on with the dad. One, he's he's being the brave dad and police officer facing off against the menace at the same rate. He's scared shitless and you can see it. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to be brave for you know for his child, but at the same rate, you know, he's a human being too, and you can see real fear and I like that in that well, scene. Well, his partner I mean, just got killed too. It's yeah, just that's like, tr- yeah, yeah. But I like that scene a whole lot.
3: Does it make me a horrible person that um, I would say to drag? Yeah, go, go ahead, take my kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, think so. um, I, I
1: think the, answer <laughs> the to
3: that kid
4: had a good is, run. Yes, that
2: makes you a horrible fucking person. <laughs> he, the <laughs> kid had a good run,
4: but he's got a big head anyway, and when he grows into it, he's gonna look funny. So yeah, do what you do what you gotta do. You, you know,
2: know. I'd, I had yeah. a. Uh... I had a couple bucks on a certain aspect of his life and how that was going to turn out later anyways. So, uh, I mean, he's hanging out with that Patrick kid all the time. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, no, but, but the, when he's leaving to, he gets the call, uh, from his partner and he leaves, he doesn't say, honey, I got to go. She catches him on the way out, which is a really subtle way of saying he doesn't want to have the argument. Right, yeah, and and then the fight they have when they get back, that feels like a real couple fighting. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's very Spielbergian that whole part. Yeah, but
4: it's also the stereotypical. I mean, that is the word for word the fight that that in movies that the woman married to the saying, you know, you you know, if you cared about our marriage, you wouldn't leave right now. And he's like. You married a cop, and it's my job. What do you want me to do? Quit my job? You know, basically, that's the de- That's the the point that they re. And it's it's a very stereotype argument for a wife to have with the cop in the movie. And her character isn't as developed as his, but it, but the the actors are so good that when they get into their fight, you really you really buy it. You know. Well, what
2: I love yeah. is that he is obviously ranting and raving. But you can, see, and th- th- these are the weird things I think about. He's obviously not abusive because she—he's screaming in her face, and she's just kind of standing there, like right. this is how we argue. He gets all frustrated, but I'm not scared of him, and I kind of like that. I like the fact that you know she—she's not afraid that he's getting all emotional because that's just who he is, you know, as a person. And, you know, I, I love this. I just absolutely love the scene where he gets, you know, we were talking about before, but he goes up on the roof and has a burger with his kid. You know, it's kind of like the fallout of of everything. And it's just uh, just so many things about this film. Just I enjoy the crap out of just on on the on the smallest of levels. It's just I mean, kind of, the Punisher poster as well, because I think that's just cool. I mean,
4: this is a fluffy, it's just a fluffy, enjoyable movie, but it's made with such thought and care put into it that, that, you know, that there's just so a lot going on. And then you've got all the actors to sell it. and, And the kid actors are great. You know, they do a great job of selling their little kidness. So it just works. There's never any point where you're just like, oh, that's a cliche, you're just like, oh, there's that cliche, you know, they got, they finally got to this, and, and it, it, it puts a little, it was, this was in that edgy period where we were starting to get into the meta, and, you know, and where it was sort of a little smirk at the, at the, or a a snideness towards those cliches, and here it was sort of reveling in them. Yeah. Which was sort of going on a lot with like Gremlins and stuff, where they would, they would add, a, you know, they would add a, a twist to the cliches. But it was, you know, the, the this movie was unabashedly saying, "I am a B movie, a B horror movie, with you know, I am a B horror movie version of kids and the and the Universal um, monsters, you know, and and I'm gonna have all the stuff that." all the stuff from kid movies lately in the eighties and all the stuff from universal monsters and we're throwing them all together and it could have been very entertaining and shallow and good, but this, you know, I mean, they, they, they spent some, I think they really tried, they took, there was definitely, they were paying attention to what Spielberg had and like Joe Dante and stuff had made work, you know, about that and put their own thumbprint on it and it it just it, it works beautifully you know it's it, it it takes things that could have been um you know a weakness and turns them into strengths which is a good idea because otherwise you're just stuck you could be stuck with a whole lot of weakness in this movie and <laughs> There's only a few things in it that make me wince and a lot of them have to do with just being from that time period you know like bogus <laughs> it's yeah. just kind of forced you know but
0: yeah well to, it's the uh, thing with this movie though is there's a lot of it that in all rights shouldn't work you know right. this, this uh, you know a lot of elements of the movie add up to a movie that should be incredibly cringeworthy and almost unwatchable. And instead I find it very endearing and supremely rewatchable. Well, so it's right, right. It should a real be testament.
4: Like, it should be like, oh, they're ripping, you know, the whole Franken- Frankenstein is E.T. in this one. He even gets dressed up by the little girl. You <laughs> Absolutely. <know? laughs> yeah. and, you
0: know, I'm, I'm glad and, you say that because that's one of my notes is the, is the part where he looks at the Halloween mask of himself and says,
1: scary.
0: And then the very next scene is right out of the Halloween part of of ET, where they're holding hands, walking the down the street, walking That's... down the, the street as the sun sets in front of them. Totally ET, right down to Broughton's score. So yeah, but you know what? It works. Yes, yeah, that I'm scene upset. makes me.
2: I get proud. choked up. Yeah, I, and get, I get really when he when he gets upset at his face. It's kind of like I was watching Monsters Incorporated last night. And the scene where Scully has to, or Sully, Scully, (laughs) that's funny, Um, where Sully has to give the presentation and Boo sees it and gets really, really upset. Yeah, yeah. He sees those images of himself all scary and then the picture of her scared. It's kind of like got that vibe to it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't think of himself as a monster. He's just there. Yeah. He doesn't want to do anything that Dracula wants him to do. And that scene where he goes scary, I'm just like, oh. Exactly. Yeah, the reaction shot eye. they,
4: the reaction shot they cut to from the little girl is a, is a button yeah. pusher right there. Yeah. Oh, no, they just, because they, they they just got a great reaction. I could tell that like, they got that reaction. It might not even have been from that
0: scene, but they were like, oh, we're so using this. It was such <laughs> a nice punctuation. But I mean, in in all fairness, that's possibly the cheesiest moment mm-hmm. in the entire movie and should not work that's that's a scene where you should just roll your eyes and go oh christ mm-hmm. and instead you find yourself going i got something in my eye you know yes, it's, yes. it right. totally works and it's awesome i really like it for... because exactly. everybody everybody's committed everybody
4: all the right. actors the writers yeah. the director everybody's committed to this to it you know and playing it straight straight up, you know? Do you know mm-hmm. why plus. Uh, plus
3: a... Go ahead. I was going to say, plus there's a side of uh, tension there, because last time Frankenstein's monster hung out with a little girl, it didn't really end it up too well, end well
1: for that yeah. little girl. Yeah,
3: that's
0: it. one of my notes, is the scene where she's playing on the riverbank, that's a total homage uh-huh. to the original uh-huh. Frankenstein, where Frankenstein did drown the little girl, and I like that. I wondered if you guys picked up on that as well. I also like but,
2: the scene with Gene sh- Hackman wait that was young frankenstein never mind <laughs>
0: there's a couple really nice homages to the actual original um universal movies where all these monsters come from and that scene with frankenstein was one of them and uh, another one that i always really liked was the use of alucard as uh you know, a false name uh-huh. for Dracula. That's straight out of uh son of Dracula. I remember that part. From you that know movie. what?
2: You know what stands out about me about that scene, which is kind of weird. Hey, Sean's a lefty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one quick note that happens a little earlier. I love when the gut, when desperate man is getting desperate and they tackle him to the ground and he looks up and he sees the moon and you hear that little music cue. And uh-huh. that's when he throws everybody off. I'm like, that's badass. Mm-hmm. I just think that
0: there's a little bit of first blood in
2: there because mm-hmm. I, every time I yes. see
0: that scene, I kind of wonder if they were intentionally going for a first blood feel during
2: that scene. I think first, I, I think, I, I think first blood would have been much more entertaining if uh, Sylvester Stallone turned into a werewolf, started spouting fangs, and, <laughs> and yeah, not,
0: not much back. <laughs>
2: no i was just
0: okay yeah
2: i completely <laughs> love that
0: scene my my only problem with wolfman in this was that i liked his makeup job so much better oh no night too that was the only my only beef
2: with it was i, I thought i hate the wolfman makeup in this movie yeah it was it, uh, head looks funny yeah it's just like he looks more like a were rat than a were wolf. <laughs> yes I, th- I think that's my my problem but 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 i have to admit ugly makeup aside the scene where all the monsters come together and Always. resurrect frankenstein is so fucking epic mm-hmm. my only regret with
0: the monsters in this and in their interactions with each other is my favorite of all of the original universal monster movies is frankenstein versus the wolfman and i wish they had fought even just briefly in this movie, and it never happened. At least done, yeah, done the classic like grapple that they, that, grapple. you know, yeah, exactly, exactly. Because that poster, have you ever seen that poster for the original? Mm-hmm. No, it's no. fucking awesome. Of yeah. it, it, it's all it is is it's it's Frankenstein on one side and the Wolfman on the other, and they're caught in like a classic like grapple with each other, grapple. and it's great. I, I love might- it. My grandparents
4: used to have the original. I don't know what happened to it, but in their old, the old house, they probably sold it when they moved from their old house to the apartment. But they used to have the original lobby poster for that yeah. hanging up in their house. And I was a little, and it was the only thing that they had in their house. It was not, you know, that as a little nerd, I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, Frankenstein. It was like one of my favorite things when I would go over to
0: my grandparents was to look at that poster. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, because it—it's like Mike said about the iconography. Because these are characters that everybody knows, whether you've n- you know never seen a frame of any of those original films right. or not, we all know them because those images have been out there since we were kids. On like even if all you, you saw know, was Scooby, Scooby doo circles. yeah, or a Scooby yeah. Doo or oh, something, yeah. something like that, so we all know them even if we don't really know them. So I'd only ever seen just a handful of those. I mean, I remember Frankenstein, because that still holds up. That's still a classic. The original Dracula, I've seen it. It kind of sucks. It's
2: slow going.
0: It's yeah, boring slow. as
2: piss. It
0: is, and I don't like Lugosi. It was, based, the Dracula, on,
4: it was so... based on a stage play.
0: But of all of those, the one that still holds up that I will tout as a must-see if you only ever see one it's Frankenstein versus the Wolfman. It's a great movie. It's really really good and still holds up, what like 60 some years later. It's it's a great yeah. movie.
2: It's kind of funny though that the creature from the Black Lagoon, you know, or Gillman as they as they yeah. officially call him is kind of thrown into this mix because I don't really associate him with them, but I guess you should in a weird he way. He was a la- he was in the la- he
4: was I think Gillman was actually there one of their attempts to try to you know come up with something new you know because they because they'd already exhausted they thought all their frankenstein and dracula you know by that time frankenstein and dracula had already met you know abbott and Costello and you know what would have been
0: awesome i just thought of this there's no way they would have been able to get in but it would have been totally awesome is when the army comes rolling in at the end if the lead guy, and I didn't catch what his rank was, if he was even wearing rank insignia, but the, the the cigar chomping... The guy who looked like the brother from Simon and Simon. Yes. That should have been Clint Eastwood.
4: Yeah. Because Clint Eastwood's yes. first
0: movie was Revenge of the Creature. That would have been freaking awesome. That would have been I would awesome. I that.
2: Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Does he have three stakes left in his pocket? <laughs> Two well, I've got a wooden stake made from wood I bought at Home Depot today. The most powerful lumber company in this country. So you just got to ask yourself do you feel lucky? Well, do you? Gilman. Gilman.
4: Gilman. Gilman sounds like it, it, it just sounds like a file clerk, something like Harvey Gilman. No, it, it sounds like, like it, an it, attorney. It, it, it,
3: it, 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 yeah, it sounds G- like the Gilman,
0: guys dropping by... Uh... Gilman and Gilman, Attorneys at Law. <laughs> it's just, it sounds like the guy that keeps dropping by Seinfeld's apartment all the time. Hello, Gilman. G- Gilman and Spiderman, Attorneys at
1: Law. <laughs>
4: Gilman, Spiderman, and Superman.
0: Superman. <laughs> attorneys at Law. Now, the creature in this, I think, looks awesome. I think of all the, yeah. all the monsters, I think he's the one that, that looks like the most money went into his uh, his outfit because he's really cool looking.
2: And, and the act, you know, Noonan just sells it. Well, it was the first time you saw
4: the creature in, in color, too, so I think they they sort of did him up special. Plus, he's a ri- I mean, the other ones, you sort of know what to do with the creature, they were like, "Hey, we can use some of this new technology to make his gills move
0: and make yeah, it a little." Yeah, I'm sorry.
2: I thought I thought you guys were talking about Frank uh, Frankenstein's monster. I apologize. He
0: he looks awesome too. I think, and I really like the you know the the dusty from the grave looking clothes that he's wearing. But no, I, yeah, I was talking yeah, about are... the, the. Okay, Gilman. I apologize. Gilman. I now feel stupid. Nothing to apologize about.
2: Gilman, <laughs> Gilman. <laughs> so, <laughs> What's up, Gilman? And he gives you like a high five and his his webbed fingers touch yours and you never wanna you just you just <laughs> can't bathe enough to get that feeling away.
3: Oh Jesus Christ, Gilman. Okay.
4: Any any classic Saturday Night Live watchers out there? I've uh, seen some yes. Of them. Like you know, the first couple seasons. Mm-hmm. There is one of the gags in this movie is straight out of a Saturday night live sketch. Which one? Right down to the timing of it, where there's, like, where the father comes in and scares all the monsters out of the room. Oh, yeah. And then the kid's like, no, he's in the closet. And he's just like, okay, well, I guess, okay, I'll go in the closet. And he's just like, ooh, and he opens the door, and you see a shot over his shoulder of the monster actually in the closet as he ignores the fact. There was a whole Gilda Radner sketch where, you know, she had... You know, the, the father opened up the closet and was like, see, there's nothing in there. And there's a guy with, like, a bloody axe and a mask on just, like, standing <laughs> in the closet and, then, and Man, closes the up. door. It was a great gag at, at, at the time, but that was, I'm sure, 10 years before this movie came out. That's that's one of the things I was like, ooh, that's kind of a rip off. The other thing that I really didn't like about this movie, but it's something I don't like about 80s movies, was the obligatory montage
0: i love them ever since the the, the South Park yeah. skit about Yeah, even
2: I've Rocky had them. a montage.
0: Now <laughs> <laughs> going back to the bedroom thing for a minute. For one thing, that father always is another one of those guys. I go, God, I know him from something, but I can't ever remember what it is. But also, did, did anybody else recognize any of the posters in there other than the Punisher one? Because that one I instantly recognized because, like it I said, It was a really, Marvel Comics poster. I instantly. thought it was, and, and I zoomed in on it, and I couldn't make it out. Logan said he thought it was X-Men. I think it might have been a Fantastic Four, but I wondered if any of you guys actually recognized what it was because no. I couldn't make it out. But no, he I missed had, it totally. Uh, the stuffed animal that was sitting on his on his dresser was one of those '80s creature things too. It was like yeah, I've been I've, I've been trying like all
2: night to figure out my pet monster, your new best my friend, my
0: pet monster. That was it. Yes, totally. Kind of like my buddy, except
2: more fucking horrifying. My bloody <laughs> my, <buddy>. my bloody. <laughs> <laughs> now no, whatever I kill.
4: He eats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, granted, I've yeah, never yeah. been there, but uh, it it struck me, especially with the the book that Logan was more intent on reading all while I was watching this movie today, that the uh, the hideout where where Dracula is located, where he's trying to get the amulet and all that, that is totally the Disneyland version of the haunted mansion, dude. Right <laughs> down to the pillars, it's totally haunted mansion and i really i thought that was cool i expected I, like I, frat letters up at the top of it
2: it, it <laughs> had that total old frat house look to it
0: yeah it did actually now that you say that would be but,
2: funny if a bunch of frat guys ran in and dracula just killed them all i just want to see that under general principle I'm he not, drank their yeah. blood and, and was all of a sudden drunk off drunk. cheap beer yeah. you get you get drunk just standing next to a sweating frat boy so yeah that, that, that's not it's not your iq automatically drops 40 points too yeah the 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 cool thing about this film is that it has like all of this great comedic setup i mean there's some serious and there's some scary but once the shit starts hitting the fan it's kind of unrelenting down to blowing up their fucking house right Right. oh yeah (laughs) like holy crap these people aren't playing that was a nice tree house (laughs) but when she comes running out you can see the horror in her eyes and the father walks up she's like what's going on and he won't tell her it's just like oh yeah you
4: you look out the windows of their house
2: when they run back in the house you look out the windows all you see are flames outside you know (laughs) it's just like just when everything starts coming together and they have that final battle in the square, which is just so awesomely filmed. And I love, <sighs> I'm glad they filmed that in the fall because it looks so much better.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> it really does. And I know that sounds silly, but my favorite films are, it's, there was a movie years ago with Lucas Haas. What was that called? It was, a, it was essentially a ghost story. No about a little girl haunting a boy. Uh, James Cromwell was in it. I, I can't remember it. I'm sorry. Hey, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gener- uh, I mean, uh, first contact.
0: First contact. That was
3: it. That'll do, <laughs> Ghost. <laughs> yeah, that'll
0: do. <laughs> well, you know, the the town square in this looks very familiar to me and I kept thinking it might be the same one from Back to the Future and and trying to place landmarks and I could never pin it down exactly whether it was or not, but I'm pretty sure we've seen that same town square in other movies. Well, it could have been torn down and rebuilt in a different
4: configuration, but, but it, yeah, that's yeah, very true. Yeah. It, it definitely had that look of like a
0: prefab Town yeah back lot. yeah mm-hmm. yeah it sure did but yeah uh, the burger king I, I completely agree with mike that uh you know cuz i remember the first my first reaction watching this when, whenever it was that i first saw the movie was when shit starts to go down it was you know it it definitely changes the tone of the movie in you know if you're watching this for the first time it's one of those things where you're like whoa they're not screwing around because you know up to a you know up to the point where things really get intense in this it still kind of has that goonies feel to it yeah. that mm-hmm. it, it's it's you know it's it's like a, a um almost cartoony in, in hey, its hey, hey. jeopardy and stuff like that. But then it's when, got a when, little bit of the um, little rascals going. Yeah. For it. Mm. But then when, when things really turn intense, it's like, wow, you know, they're, they're not pulling any punches. This is, you know, just as, as adult as if it was, you know, an, an adult monster squad rather than a bunch of kids, just because it's a bunch of kids doesn't mean it's kiddie fied. I like that. I miss movies like this, you know. That well, were... because
4: they, d- yeah, and and for probably for that reason, it didn't find an it, a big audience because it was like, who's it for? You know, right? It's sort of it for was, everybody, but like, right, right, <laughs> right. But uh, you know, Sorry. a lot a lot of little kids that would there would be parts of it that would be too intense for the, intense the, for for too. kids in it for kids that are the same age as the actors in it, who the kids should be identifying with. You know with what that? I
2: mean? And, and that's the thing that I love, loved as a kid and but, but really love as an adult is the fact like, okay, when the cop shoots the werewolf, the werewolf guy at the very beginning of the movie, you know, he doesn't look happy about it. And the fact that they like have the three shots makes it extremely intense. In the fight in the square, yeah it's kind of funny that horace has a shotgun and that thing should be knocking that kid back about 30 feet <laughs> right because those things have a kick on it <laughs> and you got true. the whole and you got the whole shh, shh, my name is horace i mean that's i mean it would really what i would have done if i was that guy is i would have leveled it at them and just watched them shit their pants <laughs> um
4: well, n- nowadays uh, if that happened the cops would still would be like drop the weapon, Horace. It, right. <laughs> all the cops would have their guns on then he, him. And
2: then he goes down and you know, a blaze of glory. But Rudy steps up twice in that fight. And one is to kill the female vampires. And two is to shoot the wolfman. And both you know, it was like when he goes to fight, he's like I'm in the goddamn club, aren't I? And when he stakes her it's like suddenly this shit is real for him yeah and and him shooting the werewolf the look of anguish on his face as he's doing it and as the guy looks at him and says thank you (laughs) how do you fucking process that as a 13 year old not only have you ended a human being's life that human being looked back at you and said thank you (laughs) I mean, I've never really
0: liked that part where he does that because that's one of the cheesy moments in the movie. That's just a little too cheesy for me. But the reason I think it's in there is because of Rudy's reaction is that he, you can see it on his face. He's feeling Jesus. I just killed a guy, but it's when the, the wolf man looks at him and says, thanks that he's kind of exonerated that he he yeah. he actually did the guy a favor i think right. that's why that scene is in there to to kind of take the burden off of rudy so that he doesn't he's feel not as much uh, of a murderer yeah exactly, he doesn't come off yeah. as a murderer so that's
4: it's like oh, i killed the wolfman and then it's like oh the wolfman's a real guy who's actually could be a nice guy who knows that guy could have been a total had it coming
0: now, for the, the listeners, um, Mike put a uh, a link up in our chat window here to a movie. That, this was the one you were talking about, Mike. Yeah, Lady, Lady in and White. White. Now, ironically, oh, that was filmed I, here
4: in Rochester. Oh, really? Yes, it was. It was quite oh, a big deal. The director is
2: from Rochester, so yes, it was filmed here.
0: It's based on down. a Rochester story. I chased this movie down some time ago because um, George Norrie, the host on uh, Coast to Coast AM, where they talk about you know Bigfoot and ghosts and UFOs and all kinds of other crazy shit, he loves this movie and raves about it all the time. So I tracked it down to watch it, I, and I ended up not. Nah, it just looked it looked like it wasn't any good, but now I think I'm going to have to go back and, and take a second look at it. Cause, I've met uh, the
4: director uh, of that movie. As, really? Yeah, well, I worked for the company that catered That movie when they came to rochester well no i i shouldn't say came to rochester because it was a it was kind of a rochester production but it was a big production for a indie film Hmm. in rochester and the director seemed like a really nice guy and and watching them on the set it was just like wow this is really dry but it's based on a local story that you know the 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 sets the, the locations they used were the local actual locations
2: it. it's got a lot of heart to it and the uh...
4: i've never seen it i've always wanted to see it and i've never just i've just never like tracked out there uh, it's funny, it's a Rochester movie, but I never see it
2: like on the shelves of the video stores here or anything. You would think that would be like something that would be like, see, Scenic Rochester. Well I know what I all mean, the
4: actors look for look like because in the sandwich shop that catered it we had all their their signed pictures up on the wall and everything.
2: I <laughs> mean I, I mean all the all the fucking extras. If you were like if you were like in thirty seconds of Walking Dead, you'll be at a freaking comic one day show <laughs> exactly. signing autographs so <laughs> in this area so. <laughs> but uh
4: yeah yeah, I, I, yeah maybe that's uh, that's a little project for us Scott we'll check do we,
2: down that movie and see it do we need to address the 800 uh, pound wolfman's got nards in the room <laughs> I
1: was thinking about
3: I like saying that when I, I was introduced <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: that, that once again that's another uh, um, example of something that could have been really stupid but it, it only play it plays off because of his reaction because of the what? Kick him in
2: the nards! What do
1: it? Wolfman doesn't have nards! Do it!
4: But that was just a well wonderfully delivered line, and that's the line that everybody in the world seems to associate with this. <laughs> right? <laughs> if you go yeah, if yeah. you go to YouTube and you go best scene in in Monster Squad. It's vi- it's uh, like five people who put up videos of the Wolfman getting kind of surprised um, they didn't title the it
2: the, use it for the title of the documentary Wolfman's got nards. Yeah. A I think that's the what the, Monster Squad. I think that's what the poster should say instead of saying uh, you know who to call when you have
0: ghosts. It should say Wolfman's got Wolfman's nards. Got nards. Mm-hmm. In memory it's, of
3: friend. In 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 memory <laughs> of friend what that's he'll what be that's too that's so. i
0: know i was
4: just what i was gonna say that's probably what they put on his grave wolfman's got son, loving son
2: uh, and brother wolfman's got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking
3: terrible.
0: josh we have not heard much from you in this episode so what have you got on the monster squad
3: well i want to say that i am very happy that they didn't put any 80s damage on the actual monsters themselves it would have been very easy for them to have dracula kind of reinvent himself and make him look like keith for sutherland from the lost boys
0: mm-hmm. right yeah
3: um you know you can't really do it that much with um with any of the other guys or um like if the because you know gilman you know doesn't wear clothes uh he could I guess he could have had, more he
4: could have had a walkman or some, a waterproof a walkman, walkman man or something or
3: like um Scaly Mohawk. Oh yeah, Three you're mohawks. right. Or you know uh um uh, the Wolfman. Hang <laughs> 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 going with the
4: Marv human. Wolfman.
3: <laughs> uh he could have had like those um um uh, you know the plaid pants and like Ducky from 16 the sixteen were pretty? In pink. I would have
2: totally <laughs> liked to have seen Gilman <laughs> sing, try a little tenderness, right in <laughs> the middle of the film. That would have been epic. The the
4: Gilman holding a a, a boombox boom <laughs> over his head.
3: I'm sorry, Horace.
4: But he's playing Tiny Bubbles. Tiny Bubbles or
3: are... <laughs> the theme from Jaws.
4: Or even more obscure, the song Wet Dream.
2: Do, do, do you think from... Gilman hummed the theme from Jaws as he was stalking people? Danna. <laughs> Danna. I'm so I'm awesome. Twinky. Twinky.
3: <laughs> <Twinkie. laughs>
0: oh, that was a, yeah, that's another line in this that I love. Creatures stole my twinky. <laughs> uh,
3: the mummy could have been like graffitied <laughs> you know, to be, you know, an 80s urban. Just ended hands. up against the... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wearing keds. But, he, this movie, this, it was one of those movies like Jedi and, you know, a whole lot of other 80s flicks, Princess Bride being another one, that was just constantly on at my house. And I will throw this dvd into the dvd player and watch it all the time i don't care who's around me or who doesn't like it or who does this movie you know there's a lot of people that i c- that i could identify with in this movie um there's people who i wanted to be in this movie i wanted to be rudy um i was more like fat kid than anything else so uh, i don't know it was just uh i wouldn't have minded you know being in a club where they talked about monsters and
2: tried to look at your hot friend your hot the hot sister of a friend naked i mean
3: well i mean well i i did do that (laughs) good man did you get Uh, pictures uh, uh, yes, and I had my uh, greaser friend um, pick him up from the drugstore and spit his soda out as soon as he found it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great scene. That was really subtle. I, I And I love that it's in the montage.
2: And I love that Frankenstein's <laughs> holding it up and everyone's yeah. trying, including Patrick, which is
3: kind of creepy. Well, he's probably just taking it so that nobody else can see it. Come on.
2: Yeah, uh-huh. He had a little Luke and Leia going on there. <laughs>
3: You guys can't see this. This is my sister.
2: Squish, 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 squish. I'm totally going to go beat off to this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.
4: Nobody coming to the fucking Now I got to find a sound effect for that. Jesus. (laughs) 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 Exactly.
3: Or I, or I can just you know hold the mic down to what i'm actually doing yeah right. exactly
4: yeah so. let's not do
2: that <laughs> so that's why he's been so quiet exactly he's been looking at porn
3: <laughs> no i've just been listening to your guys i'm uh, just looking at your guys's icons Listening it was <laughs> smooth voices See, we,
0: we get this a lot we get people that that beg to come into these things and then they come in and it becomes like a live two true freak show for them rather than a participatory experience
3: it's kind of like when i'm listening to you guys at work it's like i can do what i when i usually do but while this... listening to you guys and and you know sinking it all in
4: right i don't i don't mind that because like you know okay so you know i i always figure if somebody feels strongly enough they'll they'll start yelling over us and it gives yeah there's a lot of people who say they listen to us and they're not you know they're just listening on their walkman and they want to yell at us <laughs> or they want to go no wait you know it's or they actually do this gives the opportunity to actually have us be there when they go what are you fucking crazy you know <laughs>
3: That montage was supposed to be in there, God yeah. damn it!
4: Instead of it just, like, coming all of a sudden up out of a cubicle somewhere at work, and they're like, what the hell is he doing over there? I don't know. It's pissing him off, though.
1: We
3: don't stand for this kind of thing at Gilman and Gilman. <laughs>
1: exactly.
2: <laughs> I, got a, I got a question for the room. Um, uh-huh. Anybody else get choked up when Frankenstein says goodbye to Phoebe?
3: I didn't when I was when I was younger. Now that I'm a kid, or now that I'm a kid, Jesus Christ! Now that I'm a dad, <laughs> and um, you know, I have kid, uh, I have kids who hang out with their friends for extended periods of time, uh, like a weekend or something, and then they gotta go and they get all teary eyed and you know they're just and and like Phoebe giving Frankenstein her what was it her her teddy bear her like stuffed dog I can't remember. Some but, stuffed animal, yeah. Yeah, one of my kids. Will, <laughs> one of my kids will go and try to grab something of theirs and get to their friend, like here, here, you know, you know, like here, hold on to this until we meet again. Kind of thing, and I get that, and you know, that's her friend, and you know, she got him to feel human and be accepted, and I thought that that was kind of a, a sweet moment.
4: I thought it was kind of sweet, but I think they really overdid his slow motion fall into the vortex. You know, <laughs> sort of, you know, the he, it was almost like he was being flushed. Down. It was like this peaceful flushing down of a toilet thing. You know, where <laughs> he had that look on his face, and you know, the bye. Everybody else went Wah! into the vortex, <laughs> and and he just sort of does this slow float, like tumbling. I'm tumbling end over end. I, uh... Wee, goodbye friend well, You know it was well, a see, little too much
3: for me did you see them blocky ass shoes those things have to be heavy weighing that's them down
4: that's true they, they, they probably were slowing him down a little bit but it was just a little <laughs> it was a, you know it was just it was it, it, you know it was just you know as if the vortex was like well we'll give Fra-, you know Frankenstein's okay we'll give him a <laughs> You know, no mind to the to the innocent cops who are getting sucked in, like what, bouncing off cars and stuff. You know, Frankenstein gets to go on a cushion of air, like the tidy bowl man. You know, well, see,
0: it's the... always bugged me that that the attention is called several times in this movie to the fact that Frankenstein was the creator and and the the monster creature, whatever you want to call him. You know, that was not his name. That was the creator. Yet somewhere in the in like the middle of the movie they suddenly switch and he's frankenstein he's,
4: well they, they just call and him it, frank
0: yeah right yeah i i never i don't i don't know what else they would call him but yeah that always kind of but because phoebe does it there at the end oh frankenstein don't go and i like, don't th- th- know like, it's a don't little don't call me much.
4: frankenstein that's my father's name <laughs> right <laughs> can i
2: call me bob can I... go ahead mike can i ask a really dark question
3: Mm-hmm. Oh lord! How how oh, twisted!
2: No. How twisted would this movie have been if something really bad happened to Phoebe like a year before with a sneaky uncle and she raised the incantation oh, and nothing <laughs> happens?
3: <laughs> oh, you know something oh. that's always bugged me since I was <laughs> oh, a kid. How come? How come that? <laughs> come on, that was funny. <laughs> Apparently not. I'm trying to, I apologize, I'm, guys. I'm trying to walk away from this. How come? the? Uh... Oh, I'm the
2: bad guy. Backing away <laughs> I see, from the topic. I see how it works. Okay.
3: How come the the bench that Phoebe is uh, cradling doesn't uh, go flying into the vortex? It's ripping cars, you know, into it and the bench that Phoebe's holding onto just stays right there on the ground.
0: It's anchored into the ground with bolts that are sunk like 60 feet into concrete or something. Yeah, I, I thought about that today. Yeah, but. they had
4: a hurricane once, and that, that bench
2: blew away, and they said, never again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that bench came from the, uh, the first Vortex 100 years earlier. They, uh, <laughs> the guy saw it and said, no, nah, I'm building this one right. And and what was up with Van Helsing? Just
4: didn't he just sort of pop out of nowhere? Like all of a sudden he was like to the thumbs up, which <laughs> I yeah, thumbs, thumbs up, up. Th- which is definitely a big yeah. That was a big sign back in his time. Apparently, like <laughs> apparently that's a universal like sign. Yeah. All of a sudden, Van Helsing's yeah the fons.
0: <laughs> it
3: just he does. He just kind of pops up like. This is kind Come of here, hate. you son of a bitch. Yeah.
0: Well see that I, I think that's one of the ways to kind of save that ending, so to speak. I mean not you know, not that I you know, I don't have any major qualms at all with the movie. There there are some moments that I think work better than others. But that Frankenstein don't go ending has always kind of bothered me. And then like you say, Van Helsing popping up to tackle Dracula is awesome, but then he gives the thumbs up, which kind of makes it a very cheesy moment. I think I would have rather have had Frankenstein's monster turn up at the very end, pretty much the way he does, but then he's the one that tackles Dracula and they tumble into the vortex together. That would have made sense. You know, Phoebe hollering, you know, Frankenstein, don't go, but don't right. drag it out into this kind of sappy ET moment that, they, that they're going for that I don't think works very well, you know, or works perfectly. So yeah, I you know I could I could actually see a little fan edit go on right there where they could do something like that, but still you know I mean it doesn't ruin it for me. It's just it's it's one of the few moments in the, in the movie where the cheese is just a little bit too thick. You know what I mean? And there there are a couple scenes. Well, like remember
4: that. Josh is from Wisconsin, so he's, <laughs> he's he has like a
3: little more cheese.
0: high cheese cheese tolerance than we do. Maybe.
4: <laughs> I
3: just wanna... I just want a fan out of this movie when, when Frank is swinging back into the vortex and he's just, be good.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll be, be I... right here. <laughs> <laughs>
4: and then he taps her in the chest and she flies back. I regret teeth. nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: I'm surprised that this TV did this didn't get made into like a Honey I Shrunk the Kids TV series in that in the early '90s.
0: I totally it, could have.
2: Yeah, and I'm kind of glad for that because mm-hmm. as much as I, as much as I have an af- affection for early late '80s early '90s syndicated shows, most of them were complete crap filmed on video. Oh, and, uh yeah,
4: I remember the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids one having a little bit of life to it.
2: You can watch yeah. that on the Hub now. Peter Scolari as the uh, Rick yes. Morantz character, which yeah. is an interesting trade-off when you really think about it.
4: It worked. It worked, I thought.
2: Yeah, because Rick Morantz is so busy with his, uh, with his career. <laughs> oh, his, oh, his living on a ranch and singing country music? Is that what oh he's my doing? God. Yes. Well, oh,
4: you know what? Oh, my God. What a perfect opportunity to... Michael Bailey, I know people are urging you not to sing, but you may have a career as a country singer. Oh, Jesus. Because, uh, as everybody has heard by now, because it was a couple weeks ago, but I just edited it the other day, and this is all podcast magic going on here. But, yeah, there's a there's a point where you're singing a little bit of country music. I put a little banjo behind you, and
2: <laughs> sounded right at home, man. I'm not going to talk about me singing because uh Scott apparently doesn't like it. So I'm saying you
4: might have a career as a country singer and country music sells more than any other kind of music and it sells more than the Elvis Elvis and the Beatles combined in this country these days. So, you mm. know. You might be you might be able to do the podcast but pay the bill by writing country songs. Hmm.
2: I want to and do you- the country version of uh the greatest American hero theme.
1: Yes.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hey, Cuz that right. really needs steel guitars.
4: It could totally work and then you could you could hire a rapper to come in in the middle of it and do a little rap.
2: Sweet. Yeah. Look at it me. Chris, and I this time, to, Scott uh... drops out of the call on purpose. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Scott's like, oh, why did I come back in the first place?
0: <laughs> well, Jeff. this sounds this sounds like an episode in need of a closer right here.
1: <laughs> Are we <laughs> well, I was done?
4: I going <laughs> to say, we're getting about to that point where, where, where we could, uh,
3: you know, wrap up the monster wrap it all squad. up. Yeah.
1: Well, all right.
3: With well, with final and summations. Yeah, there did, you did go.
2: It, did everybody get through their notes, though? I did. Okay.
3: I had no notes, which is kind of why I was quiet. Just, I was trying to go off this um the off the cuff because I I watched the movie so much because you have it,
4: just... yeah, you have it like ingrained in your memory.
3: Yeah, and those are notes enough. Talk, you guys were talking about stuff, and I was like, oh shit, that's right, I forgot about that completely.
4: <laughs> I liked how you're so nice about it. You guys were talking about sh- stuff, which e- equals you guys never shut up. <laughs> I know, I know. I know how it is, man.
2: Did you get through all your notes, Mike? Yeah, I got through all mine. I just wanted oh, to make okay. sure... Didn't want to be a microphone hog.
4: You sound <laughs> like you didn't get all through all your notes from from your tone of voice, Mr. Gardner.
2: No, no, I did. Wow. No, because a lot... I had
0: uh, I mean, I had quite the list, but, uh, I mean, most of my stuff got covered just in the general discussion anyway, so mm-hmm. no, I, I can't think of anything... No, I mean, because I was checking them off as we were covering everything. So, I mean, really, my, my summation comes down to one thing. They, I think they just don't make movies like this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think, you know, There's, Appreciate I guess there's, uh, uh, what you call it, a remake being bandied about. That, I, I guess this has been a rumor for several years. I hear it's for sure. I hear it's coming out next year. I just, I, I don't want to see this movie remade. I really, because they won't be able to do it the same way. You know, we live in, in two PC, two, uh you know, protective uh, society. I, I just don't see it having the same grittiness, the same edge, the same tone as this. I mean, this is a really good movie that doesn't pull punches just because the cast is children. And I like that. I like it a lot. And so, yeah, don't, don't mess it up don't i would much rather see the old gang get back together and do a sequel rather than see them remake it and make it stupid with a you know a bunch of modern child stars and you know keanu reeves as dracula and shit i i just uh, i don't want to see that you know i really don't i like it just the way it is well meeting adjourned
4: I'll I I'll, I'll I'll start my summation by countering that with I would this is a remake that I would possibly give a chance to because this movie to me is a way of resurrecting and conglomerating and it not it's 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 basically was made to just be pure entertainment but at the same time it also sort of brings back the universal monsters and says Here they are, and the universal monsters are something that should be reincarnated regularly, you know. They should be, you know, every little kid should know who all those monsters are and their general story about them. And this movie gives you, you know, how they're killed, you know. You get just a general feel for what they all are. So if this new movie, if they're going to remake it, if they remake it with the mind of doing that, of being like, okay, here's our chance to reintroduce the universal monsters to kids of these days and put it as to something that, you know, younger people go, oh, now I'm interested in Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Gillman, and the, you know, and the Mummy and, and Dracula again. <laughs> so I would be... It, it, it could be done, I think. I think it could be done. Um, should it be done? Probably not. There's really no reason with this movie existing. Although this movie is a pro it's a total product of the it's an 80s movie no matter how you know you slice it it's always gonna look and feel like an 80s movie which to us being you know you guys seeing it when it when it was out and and scott and i being products of the 80s it's a little more natural to us so uh, if they capture the same feel I've been noticing all the remakes that they make just sort of come out and plop down and then, they're, and then they disappear and don't take over the iconic nature of the, the, the movie that they're supposed to replace, you know? Even if they're kind of good, you know? They just never really sort of supplant the original anyway. So I'm guardedly... Gar- not optimistic, but I'm guardedly thinking that I will give it a chance you know to the to to some point in when you you start finding out what's going on with it but uh you know i mean it's 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 a very well crafted b movie to begin with they're 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 gonna have to sort of aim high to match it but uh i i i don't have it as much inside of me as you guys did because i've seen it now as. uh a total of two times, but both times I just threw... I, I mean, I ate it like candy last night. I was up till 4, like 4.50 in the morning long after I planned on going to bed because it was, you know, it was... It's uh, I love homework for podcasts. What awesome homework it is because it was just like, all right, I got to watch this movie. I remember it. I enjoyed it, but I was like, ah, you know, we'll see how it goes and... <whistles> hooked from beginning to end even hating the big headed little kid <laughs> <laughs> I, and I swear you know that they, they just like you know they have a test tube with them in it it's like monster squad Jake Lloyd <laughs>
3: I have some weird noises to be putting <laughs> with those names Jake Lloyd <laughs> Uh. (laughs) creepy!
4: (laughs) that's the sound of a tomato being thrown by an irate Star Wars fan who's had his childhood raped you filthy 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 people I'm disgusted to be a part of this podcast with you people spending our Halloween talking about horrifying
2: terrible things oh no (laughs) you should all be ashamed What are your final thoughts, Josh?
3: Well, Mike.
2: (laughs) It's funny you ask at this
4: podcast (laughs) about Monster Squad.
1: (laughs)
3: It just so happens, I think.
4: Can we do Uh, a whole podcast like that? A whole stilted podcast?
3: Hi. (laughs) Where we sound like newscasters and shit?
4: (laughs) Yes. uh, uh, Passing it off to you, Scott. Thank you, Chris.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shut the hell up and let the guests talk. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I'm not, I'm not big on the idea of it being remade. I, it just, it just doesn't sit well with me. There was, I don't remember where I heard it from, but there was a, like an idea of a sequel where I can't remember. I think it was vampires. And you know, different other different kinds of monsters come back and they have to reunite. But you know, and it also takes care of um Fat Kid being dead because it's like they got him first. And now it's the other guys that need to come back and you know you know, take down the monsters.
4: This time it's personal. <laughs> they killed Fat Kid. <laughs> His name was Horace. <laughs>
3: but um but yeah, this like everybody said, this is a well crafted B movie um it doesn't take itself too seriously, which is what the remake would do, and it would be a the a, a remake would take all of the tropes and cliches and do it as a self referential
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know the scream type deal, yeah where. You know where you know they would be chasing Frankenstein's monster, you know, and the like. The villagers would have, you know, modern day uh, suburbanites would be um, going up against that, um, you know, a haunted mansion with uh, with torches, and they'd be like, "Oh, dude, we're we're, you know, going after Frankenstein with torches and pitchforks. How funny is that?" And just stupid shit like that, you know. Exactly right. Yeah. Wink at the camera.
4: No, I can Which, see that exact I can see that exact scene as you describe it. That's exactly the sort of thing that
2: could And they'd cast Will Farrell as Dracula.
4: Oh god. As a wolf <laughs> man.
3: Oh um, my god. But you know, <sighs> I, lo- I love this movie and I don't give a shit who knows it.
0: <laughs> i like that eddie I murphy's like that. gonna be frankenstein i heard oh stop it <laughs> i thought he was gonna be robin <laughs> oh god and richard i Fry- want to on
3: oh, your richard be <laughs> lantern
0: <laughs> <laughs> i want to wrap up with uh actually a uh, uh some recommendations
3: do, do, if you do like
0: not
4: the... to give
2: my final thoughts
4: <laughs> oh go ahead go ahead <laughs> yeah scott After bitching at me about talking over our guests. Well, I'm not a guest. I'm a member of the family.
3: Um, (laughs) I actually am a member of the family. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but my real name is, uh, Joshua DeManzo, which is (laughs) why I've been on a, which is why I've been on a couple episodes within a month. But I mean, you know, take it away. Mike.
2: (laughs) Back Um, to you. I don't, I don't want to see a remake simply because I don't think it should be remade. It it sits very well on what it is. Um, you could do something similar. Uh, and you would probably make it a little more action-y. And special effects might be a little crisper or more computer or CGI. But you wouldn't have the heart of this film. This, this film is, is one of my favorites. Not because of one single thing. But about all of the, the, the... It's the sum of the parts that make it special. So seeing a remake would just piss me off. I love this movie. I'm like Josh. I don't give a shit. Who knows? not that we're at a point in the internet where you know where people declare things they like all the time like that like people are going to jump down their throats and very rarely have ever i ever said i like something and had somebody who wasn't scott garner go why do you like that so uh, and nothing from scott damn it i was trying to get a laugh out of it <laughs> Uh, oh, there it is. There's a uh, chuckle, anyway. You know what's kind of funny is that was live and it sounded canned. So I don't know how Chris did that. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I just have a button that just goes. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: it's
4: actually, it's actually, I built it into a little. Um, oh, the the you know the little uh, baker guy that you poke in the stomach. Except I've got Scott's picture taped on the face of it. <laughs> You mean me? <laughs> there it goes again
0: <laughs>
2: that was stupid keep
0: going
3: you, you got but Scott's face no. on my body
2: <laughs> but, that, but that's pretty much it so what was the recommendation Scott well just uh, about the monsters themselves you know beyond that movie that I
0: recommended um, plus uh, you know a number of the, the Hammer films where a lot of these monsters were kind of reimagined you know at some point a lot of those are really good is uh, the Marvel comic stuff with these characters. you know, Tuma Dracula, mm-hmm. which was you know an awesome series from start to finish, ran 70 issues. All that stuff's been collected in uh, the Essentials line that you know you can pick up fairly cheap. And then there was also a really, really good Frankenstein series that went through at least two name changes. I If, I, if memory serves, it started as the monster of Frankenstein. And then at some point it became Frankenstein's monster, but it only ran 18 issues, but it was a really good series. I like that one a lot. And then um, The Living Mummy was a character in, um, uh, what was the name of it? Supernatural Thrillers. And he uh, premiered in issue number five and then he wasn't in number six, but then he was in seven through fifteen. So again, you know, not a whole lot of issues to track down. All of it is really, really good stuff. You know, if you if you like these characters and want to see, you know, some really good stories with uh, more or less faithful, you know, faithful versions to the original universal style of these monsters, then I would say track that stuff down. Yeah. That's, um, and the some comics really good usually stuff.
4: pretty much had the look and feel of them too. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Particularly the Frankenstein, but the the mummy one was cool because, you know, in this movie, if I had to rank the monsters, the mummy would come in dead last as the one that, you know, I thought was coolest or whatever, yet that series with, you know, with the living mummy was really good you know it was it was uh actually made hard to a, do
4: much with the mummy really. yeah
0: exactly that that's the thing is you know he's he's a guy that shambles around you know wrapped in bandages how exciting could that be and that series is very exciting you know with that character and with that concept so you know it, it can be done and it has been done you know so definitely worth tracking it down and, and taking a look i have no idea if that mummy stuff or the Frankenstein stuff has ever been collected in any form, I kind of doubt it. But I, I know that the Dracula stuff definitely has. They that's all I got. They should put
4: it all together and the, the, they should put the Frankenstein and the mummy together into one.
0: Well, there was... Um, if you guys have ever seen those Marvel Legends figures that were coming out a couple years ago, I don't think they yeah. still put them out anymore. They've, they've changed to the smaller sizes now that are more like Star Wars figure size but a couple of years ago there were the larger figures the Marvel Legends that are you know about the same size as the DC universe ones that are coming out these days there was actually a box set that was basically the universal monsters and it had um I'm pretty sure it had Dracula Frankenstein's monster and and now I can't remember. I know one of them was a zombie. There might have been a mummy in there. I forget, but it was a really nice set that I really were regret they sort of I like big headed,
4: up. big head like sort of things.
0: No, no, they they were like those really articulated uh-huh. Uh-huh. Marvel Universe figures that were, or I mean Marvel uh, Legends figures that were coming out just a few years. You know, where they would have like one piece in every package that was like a build a figure type of yeah. thing. But this was a box set. That had I don't know maybe four or five figures in it. Was the same thing in there? He might have been. I'll tell you what. You guys vamp, and I'll I'll do some digging around and see if I can find it while you while you're well, talking.
4: Well, I had a roommate who who gave me this whole set of Universal Monsters in, but they were like they look like little bobbleheads. But I don't I think know they exactly bobble that. And they're in black and white. And yes. it's got, like, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein. It's got the monster from...
2: Hunchback, um, Son of Hunchback, Yeah, the, this
4: Island Earth monster. You know, it's got, like, everybody. And all in black and white. And, and uh, she was just like, would this be something you would be interested in? Because I was just going to toss this out, and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. So I've got those <laughs> all in my room. all all set up
2: all over the place. Now my... Uh... Nice. Our sister-in-law gave us that uh, years ago. She gave one to Rachel, and uh, we love the. I love them. I love, we we well, we have like ten our of them out on Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. It's really. I love the mummy one with uh, Karloff. Yeah, aren't the there like there, there might be a that. couple
4: mummies? There might be a couple yeah. Frankens different versions of Frankenstein in it too, and the Hunchback. And the Hunchback. Yes, you're right. Oh, I
2: remember these figures.
0: Yeah, these are Those great. Are by was, nights. yeah, Werewolf by Night. That was the one I couldn't remember. It was Werewolf by Night, Dracula looking very much like he did in Tuma Dracula, Frankenstein's Monster, which I don't remember him looking like this, but I guess he did. Maybe in the in the magazine because Marvel had a series of magazines that yeah. were based on the monsters that were a little more adult had than a the regular bit stuff. Of booby in them every once in a while. Yeah. So I guess that's what the the monster looked like in that, and then uh, zombie, which I again is another one I don't remember. I think I think that was a magazine. I don't think that was ever a comic, but I could again I could be wrong on that one. So it's kind of interesting that the uh, the mummy was not in there, but uh, very cool. <laughs> I, I like these. Hey, I wish I'd picked them up.
4: Yes, sir.
3: Frankenstein Frank- Frank- kind of looks like Danzig.
1: <laughs> oh god you're right <laughs> he does
3: <laughs> uh. and it is a very well, Gene Cole in Dracula there
0: yeah I like that a lot
3: that's very cool
0: well have we got anything else or does that pretty much wrap us up on the monster squad no i just
4: like to say this is my favorite holiday I know it's your second favorite Scott mm-hmm. so happy Halloween everybody I hope yes. we had. I, I know it's been Return of the Jedi month, but I hope we had enough Halloween content in there too. To, and I hope you know we didn't. This movie wasn't scary, so. But I, I hope there was at least enough. Thanks to mostly Michael Bailey and myself, disturbing content in
0: this to make it appropriately <laughs> Halloween. Yes, you guys were definitely the razors in the uh, candy
2: and apples. The candy,
4: bar- the okay, good. Somebody had to be
2: inappropriate humor
3: is yes. just funny. And You're welcome. There is too. Yep. And Scott would be and Scott would be the box of raisins, and I am the handful of pennies. <laughs> I might have used, used to new- been...
0: Go ahead, Mike.
2: <laughs> I said, great. Now I can get that newspaper I've been saving up for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I might have used to been the box of raisins, guy. Now I'm the get the hell off my porch guy. I got a rock. <laughs> I'm the one that doesn't get even turn my the light on.
2: Lawn. Kids gotta get off my lawn. I didn't fight no WW2.
4: Yeah, you know, you can scare the kids by putting a sheet over your head and being a ghost. But you know what really scares them? The sound of a shotgun cocking.
1: (laughs) My name is Horace. Horace.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think we have our closure right there. Yeah, I was about to say, you gotta close.
4: Do you ever find yourself going to Amazon.com and uh, buying some record or movie or some stupid thing that Two True Freaks have been talking about so that you can catch up on it or you've been reminded of it or something? Well, now, how about this? Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to TwoTrueFreaks.Libson.com and follow our link to Amazon.com. When you do that, if you buy something over at Amazon, we get a little cut out of it which is awesome because we love money
0: and it won't cost you a thing. Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite two true freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S Libson is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N You can email Two True Freaks directly at freaks at gmail.com Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for
4: details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com,
0: where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.
4: Two True Freaks has been
3: brought to you today by DeManzo Core of Milan, Italy and by the letters
1: F and U.